The delusional architecture is fairly unique. She believes that a machine called a Terminator, which looks human, of course, was sent back through time to kill her. That's original. And also that the father of her child was a soldier sent back to protect her. No. He was from the future, too. The year uh, 2029, if I remember correctly. And here we are. Morning, Sarah. Good morning, Dr. Silverman. How's the knee? Fine, Sarah. Hi. Welcome to Space Frost, the sci-fi movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Kate, and with me is the let's take down the patriarchy and also fight some robots who are trying to kill us, you know, bestie of my heart, uh, Mary Johnson. What up, girl? What up? Unfortunately, I do not have arms like uh, like, like Linda, Linda Hamilton, Hamilton a.k.a. Sarah Connor. Yeah. Jesus uh, Christ, no her does. arms in this movie. Also who, with us. Who is that who just spoke? Cool. Do we also have someone else? Oh, my God. Is, is Megan here? <laughs> hello i snuck in (laughs) awesome uh guys you know the world's on fire voter suppression efforts are ratcheted through the roof our brothers and sisters are still taking the streets to support black lives matter and the global pandemic just won't quit but enough about this apocalyptic future let's watch a movie about another apocalyptic future a judgment day if you will terminator 2 judgment day yeah let's get into it so, Terminator 2, Judgment Have Day. Have you heard of it? Pretty famous movie. It's from 1991. It, it cost $100 million to make. Damn. Which made it, like, cost 3.5 times uh, what the average movie was to make and the most expensive Damn. movie to make at that time. So, it also grossed five times that in the theaters. So. What is... James Cameron has a bone on for that because, like, he yeah. also he also did Titanic and he also did Avatar, which both yeah. are also in that similar vein. Although I don't know how, how Avatar's, much. Avatar's. Yeah, Although I don't think Avatar, Avatar made, made its money, money back. Yeah, did it not? I thought it, it might have. It was. It might have. I think it Other did than the papyrus issue, it was a big deal. <laughs> it was a big deal. It was a big deal. I don't think it was quite the smash success. I think it underperformed based on ex- expectations, but still made like an ass load of money. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Which, you know, like, what are you going to do? Not use papyrus. That's what you're going to do. Not use papyrus. <laughs> James. James Cameron. Get a better graphic designer. And your yeah. movie will do better. Like, this yeah. movie. This movie did great. And I remember watching this movie... Like, a million times. I remember watching it in a hotel room. I remember watching it in my dad's library when we were hiding and he was doing taxes. I remember watching it on TNT randomly. I remember watching it in the basement. I remember just watching this movie all the time. It is like... <clears throat> Alien can't possibly be my full sci-fi origin story because it is too scary. <laughs> So this movie really is, because let me tell you, a face hugger is indiscriminate, but a Terminator has a very select target, so it's not scary to me. Nothing about this movie. It's like, as long as I'm not the most special boy in the world. I'm not the most special boy in the universe. No one is coming to uh, kill me. Uh, Even as a narcissistic child, I did not think that that was me. So, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) That's like, it's it's very, it's weirdly adorable. You were like, I'm not that important. I mean, I'm important. But I'm not that I mean, I'm obviously special, but I'm not, like, send someone through time and space to, like, kill someone special. Yeah. Ma- what? 
do you remember all that? Like, you told me recently you thought that you had never watched the movie all the way through, or maybe had only done so once, which yeah, baffles so me. I right, but it's one of those movies that I remember. Like, we didn't have cable growing up or satellite or anything, no. and it was on TV all the time. Um, so I remember. I don't think we have VHS. Yes, we did. Mm, mm, agree to disagree. We'll go back to the tape later. Don't but... you remember? Sure, sure, sure. Don't you remember Kate's like shaggy rific uh, rundown of all the places that she did this movie? I think. <laughs> I think if anyone has an accurate knowledge, I'm, of what, I'm telling you, what I remember. So I remember both of them. Okay. I watched it on the counter. That was me. <laughs> In my dad's office also. That was me. <laughs> I I think I've seen it all the way through one time, but I've seen like parts of it so many times that when Kate and I were like watching it together, um, the whole time I'd be like, oh my God, I remember this scene. Like, oh, this is such an iconic thing. Oh, this has haunted me in my nightmares. Like, I remember all of it. It's just been disjointed until recently. Megan thought that she was too special for this to not be scary for her. So that's, that's what just happened. Uh, she's like, I was, I was brave enough for aliens. So you know, um, <laughs> Megan was brave enough for aliens. <laughs> like no lie, I like Megan scary like, movies. Megan the rest of them movies. are wimps. Yeah, I like. Uh, it's not my yeah. fault. I don't know. Yeah, no, no. The rest of our siblings cowards. is what she means because we all cowards are, like all of us cowards. Hate scary movies. Anyway, whatever, you know, life. Um, this is a movie of your formative years. More formative yeah. for Megan because it's recessed to the back of her brain. But she knows that it was about around, you know. Yeah. This Terminator 2 Judgment Day is a movie where, like, it's not that I think it's referencing a bunch of stuff. I think it's just, like, so in the movie lexicon that, like, you don't get you don't get a Mad Max Fury Road. You don't get Furiosa in a big rig without um, getting Robert Patrick in a big rig in Terminator 2. Like, mm-hmm. I think that, like, there are all these things in, com- in, like, conversation with each other. And I think that this movie really did raise the bar on what, like, an, a sci-fi action movie could be. Because that is, that is the specific subgenre that this lives in. Um, should, I, should I give us a, so- a quick plot o- overview? Yeah. Well, so for you, this is like the seminal like sci-fi movie for like the next ten years. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not the only one, but it is like the one that was the most palatable and therefore rewatched by me. Okay. Other than like maybe Star Wars, you know what I mean? Like, like let's let's not go crazy. Obviously, Star Wars was watched a million times, but you know, this in terms of edgier stuff, this was this was there. You know, I guess or movies that were more adult in nature. I yes. so yes. I don't know if it's just like um, I don't know. It's I f- maybe I'm feeling sentimental referencing all the great love songs of our age. Like uh, it yeah. wasn't me, but also now, <laughs> now it, would you say <laughs> that love song of all time? <laughs> would you say me? that this is still the one, still the one yes. your heart longs for? It is. For? It is. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, all, like I'm saying all this shit. But, like, I, The Matrix was the first DVD I ever bought myself. You know what I mean? Like, there are other sci-fi movies that captured my heart. But, like, this was the one that I associate so strongly with watching with my dad and, like, being a kid. Like, a tiny kiddo. You know what I mean? Like, this was a sci-fi action movie of my too young to watch but still, like, imprinted in my mind. Think about the scene where, like, a a metal sword goes through a, a, a milk 
container uh, into a guy's face, and it doesn't bother. It just, I mean, it's it, it's just mesmerizing. Anyway, and as um, a small child, being like that guy deserved it. That guy deserved it. So plot overview. The Terminator universe exists wherein there's war against humans and machines in the future. The machines should be able to wipe out humanity, but there's a resistance. Their leader is a man named John Connor. To quash the human resistance, the machines sent someone to kill his mother. The man the resistance sent to protect her ended up being John's father. The second time they decided to take out John Connor himself instead of his mother, and it was him as a small child with an advanced T-1000. But this time, the resistance is hacked a T-800. The model refers to, like, what they look like. He's a model 101 because he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Got but he's it. a T-800. By the time the resistance has hacked a T-800 model 101 to protect John, now it's machine versus machine showdown to save John and thereby save the world. Save the cheerleader, save the world. I mean, save the kid, save the world. And also, Sarah Connor coming in here and seeing the big picture and understanding that you can end cycles by ending the problem. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> what up, guys? <laughs> yes. She kind of attacks the problem with like a sledgehammer initially, but sure, I, sure, I am sure. glad. But, but instead of like treating symptoms, she's like, yes, yes, yes. But actually, you are missing the big picture here. And, you know, I'm not saying that Sarah Connor's the most stable. In fact, we're going to talk about that. No. No. <laughs> Woof. the thing that occurred to me and i wrote down uh the very first note i took is the fire and skull budget for this movie is plush oh my god there was no amount there was no end digits on that budget just as many skulls as you want as much fire as you want like here we go i I kind of feel like this one they were like you know, we have three warehouses full of skulls, and we just don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Does do, anyone have an idea? Do we have, we we have, like, just buttloads of skulls. We have, like, one crate of rib cages and a couple hands. So, like, can you make that work? And Jamie Cameron was like, oh, yeah, I can make that work. Mostly skulls. Oh, yeah, all anyone 99% skulls. skulls. 99% skulls, please. <laughs> um, when I was watching this, I was like, maybe the maybe the Terminators just like shattered all the other bones, not for a headshot. Weird, weird choices, but okay, okay, okay. I'm here for it. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. You know, Golgotha. <clears throat> it means the place of the skull. Uh, which you know, in, in I was about to say in Christian mythology, in Christian religion is where uh christ is crucified uh the savior you know so i do think that there's also like some of that like weird like biblical reference to having like just this land full of skulls with like machines climbing all over it you know oh yeah it's also the most recognizable like he was like someone might think a rib cage belonged to a dog or something we need to make it clear every single body here is a human being human body yeah yeah Uh uh-huh i also I also like anytime movies are like, you know what? In LA, either you're like a movie star, Silicon Valley, or you're a goddamn cowboy. Like, I love the Western elements that are through this, like that bar that he goes to for the first time. Oh, yeah. That's like a, that's like a cowboy. The corral. Yeah. Literally. Yes. Literally. It has like swing yes. saloon doors and stuff like that. Yes. And I'm sure, I mean, like, I think most towns have like a shit kicker bar like i think that that's just pretty typical but it's always surprises and delights me when it shows up in a movie about la because i think of la being so 
cosmopolitan. Like, I'm like, it's weird that they're like a bunch of cowboys in this bar, but okay. Luckily, one of them wears the same size pants as Arnold Schwarzenegger, though. (laughs) I think, though, the um, thing about the, like, the Western cowboy bar in L.A. is, like, it really does, like, plug you into, like history of american cinema right like you're like yes oh yes. i know where people fit there's white hats black hats like yes. yeah this is the this is the cowboy movie and there's a subversion where like i really yeah. want to watch the theatrical trailer for this movie and see if they really did bury like the arnold schwarzenegger was not the villain you know i don't know mm-hmm. they did i have to imagine that they did they did and they then, did. like i read a lot of reviews where people talked about and it and we're like what no like they they had yeah. to have they had like a whole marketing before it came out piece where it made it look like orange Schwarzenegger was the villain the bad guys coming yeah. again and and that's the thing like they made him all in black like they made him like mm-hmm. look like he was gonna be a black hat i just okay i want to like that scene just because you brought it up i have to say love love this like reverse objectification with all these ladies staring at Arnold Schwarzenegger also love a petty AF Terminator who like a guy comes out is like you can't take that bike like pointing a gun at him grabs the gun also grabs the guy's sunglasses and well, puts them on yeah. which and feels so petty and I love this because I had just posited I was like do you think that like he's a Terminator so like right do you think that he ch- intentionally chose a hard ass outfit or if like that guy was wearing like a pair of like baggy khaki shorts and a Hawaiian <laughs> shirt would that and it's just like yeah, it was the right size and, and Buffy wearing right. like Sanders clothing right. would, he, yeah. would he wear would he wear dork clothing and then he steals those sunglasses I'm like oh no he's programmed for style like he's yeah. looking <laughs> he's looking for certain pieces he is looking for a leather jacket a motorcycle and some sick shades got you know most like, importantly let's, let's do this oh most importantly he is looking for leather pants that's how you know he's a yes. robot he spends this entire movie <laughs> in la and mexico and the border of oh mexico in yes. leather trousers yes like, oh in the God. desert he's literally yeah. in the desert yeah. like crazy no um, but that scene of him like when they're playing like bad to the like there it's so cool. So many... Yes, it's so yes. cool. I love yes. the waitress that like that like does the full like because okay if you saw that yes that <laughs> would not be sexy you would be horrified and scared. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I but, just think it's funny because like you know we always see the reverse and so like seeing a movie where like yeah. no it's super not good. A single naked woman. Instead you guys like... would be horrified. I would be like, oh, the cops are coming any minute to take him to a psych hospital. <laughs> but like, like <laughs> any second. But like most people have that react. Like the guys are like, whoa. And like a couple women like scurry behind like the bar. And then you have that one waitress that's like, yeah. There's the waitress. There's the chick there's, at the table with the nose the... piercing. There's the chick at the jukebox. We're all like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you read? Apparently, um, so weirdly enough, weirdly enough, this bar was like set up kind of in an abandoned lot. So like the, the, the I guess the outside of the bar um, that they were using for exteriors. Also, they had some inner part that they used for the interiors, which is weird. I would assume it was shot on a, a stage, but it wasn't. And a woman <laughs> wandered by, and like 
even though she had to pass like all these like lights and cameras and stuff, like she was drunk enough that she was like, I'm here for one more shot. And she came in when <laughs> um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was wandering through, like just did the scene where he wanders through nude, except he's wearing a pair of boxer shorts. And she was like, what's going on in here? And he's like, it's a male stripper <laughs> night. And apparently that's referenced in Terminator 3, but so I'm not sure. Nice. Oh, I love that. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pretty funny. Also, additionally, this bar was set up an abandoned lot that was across the street from the place where Rodney King got beat. So apparently there was like, and like it happened while they were shooting. And apparently it was like a very, like James Cameron was like, yeah, it was a real weird vibe. Like what was like, they didn't know what was happening, of course, but they were just like, like there was just like a lot of movement and like bad feelings, which I, I'm. Maybe added to the uh, overall kind of like scariness. Vibe. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yikes. Bottom line is, I <clears throat> when you see the apocalyptic landscape in The Matrix, I think it pulls from this movie. When you see like the big like walls of fire in Mad Max, I think it comes from this movie. I think that there are a lot of things that hang their hat on this film. And for that reason alone, it's worth celebrating. But it also delivers. We're not talking. <clears throat> we're not talking about the first Terminator movie, because there are two movies we want to talk about. We want to talk about Dark Fate because it's like the contemporary, and also it's it's pretty damn good, guys. But um, you have like it's it's nice that you have like a soft Sarah Connor, who then has to become hard because it's not mm-hmm. like she's just born a badass. It's like you have a hero who has greatness thrust upon her and does her goddamn best, a flawed human that she is, to try to, like, save humanity. And I love that. I'm so glad we're talking about this movie. This is a movie that's commonly credited for um, laying the groundwork for what we think robot vision looks like, all those robot-centric perspective shots. Yes, yeah, so they, yeah. that too. They started, they started in Terminator, like they're just kind of yeah. building on it, but it bears repeating that like we didn't know what that was supposed to look like until this movie showed it to us, and now it's like just such a part of our um, science fiction vocabulary that you can like, yes. that, that it's almost like it mutates, and it changes and updates, of course, like a lot of this of movie looks dated now of course it does but but even when you watch the mandalorian it's 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 borrowing from this language and not to and the ideas of your own show but wally like the robot vision looks the exact same yeah yes it does it's just sepia is wally a terminator anyway sorry (laughs) (laughs) maybe um but i think that this movie what this movie does well it's not like it's not like you're anyone's gonna watch it and be like wow those effects like blow me away they look so good but what you will think is those effects are very cool and the ideas They're and it's because so cool. the ideas behind them are cool like are so cool i love that scene where um the t1000 hits the wall and then turns mm-hmm. inside out and is facing the right way again like that was so yeah. cool like like and yep. then the that's why he, yeah. Noise because i feel like every time like yeah. something comes like in or yeah. out of every time he alex max himself through like it, yeah. Like it's clever, and I can't wait to talk about that. And yeah, his mm-hmm, first his mm-hmm, first mm-hmm, death, mm-hmm. 
where he gets frozen like that is so oh such, my god yes. that scene yeah we're so gonna like talk about that i have nitrogen. so many thoughts yeah i literally yeah. ood and odd it was gorgeous yeah. yeah but like so even if even if there aren't like it's perfect excuse like i think a lot of the knife stuff now by our standards looks like he's just turning into a giant steak knife which is not very scary but no for sure but it's also still kind of cool but it looks know? cool and like this movie laid the groundwork such that we could have other movies where people morph into stuff like i don't think i don't think we have bullet vision without this movie yep yeah i yep. in the matrix I, I don't think we have mm-hmm. like that whole fight scene with agent smith without this movie where he like flips around and he like doubles himself and all that stuff sure. like that does not exist without this movie so it deserves major props in that department it does it does. Well, and I think even the shots that aren't, like, technologically, like, super advanced by our standards are, there's a lot of really iconic images that kind of tap at something, mm-hmm. like, very um, basic in humans, right? Like, the the image, I think it's in the first, like, 30 seconds of the movie of the, like, metal foot crushing the skull. Yeah. Like, yeah. that has stuck with me my entire life. Yeah. You know, there are certain things that are just like they just get you and it's They're not just embedded in your mind. Yeah. It's it's something very basic about just the fear and the things that they represent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one shot establishes all of the stakes. In one yeah. second, you know exactly like what is what is the, what is the battle here? You know? Yeah. And I, I really, I mean, I think that that has a lot to do with the way that James Cameron makes movies. I mean, I like Ribbon because he's like one of the Hollywood greats and you got to make fun of him. And he's an old yeah. man, so you got to make fun of him. But yeah. like, yes. he is a human being who can, who knows, who knows a shot and knows how to make it stay with you. Like, as yeah. hokey and dumb as the I'm King of the World scene is... Everybody oh my knows God, it. It's referenced by uh, yes. You'll never yes. forget it. Like yes. he knows. You'll never that he'll scene. know how to. He knows how to do that. Um, and I think that this is some of his best work in that it stays relevant and exciting and but and nostalgic at the same time. Whereas a, a lot of other things he's done, sort of get a little bit stale with age, such that they're almost like a joke. That's yeah. No, th- nothing about this feels hokey. You yeah. know, it stays cool. And there are so many good lines that just like, like I. <clears throat> this is one of those movies where I get goosebumps when I watch it. Like, no lie, whatever. We all have our things. Movies are very effective on me and always happen. So, you know, like, lots of things can do that to me. But, like, you know, come with me if you want to live <clears throat> is yeah. always amazing. That's just, like, such an amazing, iconic line that I will never, ever, ever forget and always think of. Anyway, should we talk about the characters? Let's lead off with Sarah. Sarah is is the reason we're talking about this, so I feel like we should start with her. Sarah is, like, a very complicated character, and I still am not totally sure where I fall on her. On the one hand, she's, like, a very feminist character, right? Like, she's very strong, very able, like, she's doing the shit that needs to get done. Um, As you said earlier, Kate, she's, like, dealing with the greatness thrust upon her, right? Like, she, in the first one, is kind of this soft club girl, and now... We see her and she's like a badass survivalist. Like first shot. I was talking to someone earlier today who hasn't even seen this movie and knows exactly the image of her doing like chin ups in her cell. Like yeah. Yeah, she's like on that's her turned upside down like bet that she's using right. as like her pull up bar. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like a badass strong lady. 
But I think there's also a lot of interesting things they do with how they shoot her, right? So um, she's not soft. She doesn't have a lot of curves. She looks kind of masculine, like just the way they film her, the way she's dressed. She doesn't wear a bra, which at one time is like, maybe it's like sexualizing, but also maybe it's like, she's kind of a, she's, she's a man's man. Like, you know, she's like um, eschewed a lot of her femininity in order to survive the way that she thinks she has to. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but there's also like a very complicated aspect of her when I think about her as a mother in this. Um, yeah. and I think we'll touch on it a lot more later, but, um, it's hard to be a mean, badass, survivalist, single mom while also being, like, nurturing and kind and loving to a child. the person you think is going to be the future, like, savior of the world. I don't mean to keep on bringing this back to Christian mythology, but, like, I feel like, you know, you can't well, have a Well, it is a, a Jesus a story. About, yeah, <laughs> like, it you is. Can't have, yeah. You can't have a, a savior narrative without having, like, you know, the mother who, like, they tried to intercede, you know, like, the, the blessed womb or whatever. And I think she uses that language in uh, Dark Fate, which is awesome to be in dialogue with this. Um, but it's almost like she is not just John Connor's mother. She's everyone's mother. Like, you know, like she sometimes sacrifices being maternal to him to try to save everyone. Kind of. But it's also like there's an element of to be the person she needs to be. She needs to not be a mom, like not be feminine, not like just cut out all of it. Um, and so it's a little bit hard for me to like, I think of her as a feminist character, but it's also like she's feminist because she's like all this soft women shit. Like get it, get rid of it. You know, um, I'm I'm actually not sure she. Well, okay, I I think she's a feminist character because of that. Like in in a co- more complicated way. I think the reason she's such a magnetic character and we actually care about her is that she's obviously complex. She's deeply mm-hmm. flawed. She's her plans yeah, very work. Much. But most yeah. of her ideas and the things she does are not good throughout most of this yeah. movie. And well, I think... And one could argue her plans in this don't pan out right, at all. Right. I mean, or I like ultimately, like, ultimately, ultimately, she always gets where she's trying to go. But, like, yeah, she but has it's to not, pivot a lot. Well, and sure. she's, willing to, she's willing to carry out her bad plans... Yes. Various things foil them along the way, and then she learns like why they were bad plans, kind of throughout. Yeah. But that is hard because that's not, I don't think, why we like her. I think we like her because we understand her motivations the whole way through, even 100%. if we don't agree with them. Yes, sure. You're never yeah. confused about like what her motivations are and her motivations. Why she's doing what she's doing. So I don't like Sarah, but I think she's very compelling, and I empathize with her i think and that's and that is like very unusual for a a lady like we're i think we're typically when we think about feminist characters we want like a girl boss we want like someone we want to be i never want to be like sarah but no right but when i sounds like a nightmare (laughs) yeah i don't i don't i don't think sarah wants to be like sarah no no it's a terrible life she says like terrible it's, it's very hard what i think is what i think is the coolest and most like like directly feminist element of this is I think that Sarah in this movie gives herself a feminist critique uh, through her dream life. So I would say, so she's, she's, I don't know if she's married or just dating James Cameron at this point. 
I think that she's uh, dating. She's I don't think they got married till like later seven or yeah. something. Yeah. But they're definitely in a romantic relationship. And I think you see that by how he shoots her. Like she is strong and tough and sort of androgynous a lot, right? She doesn't really have curves. She's got like these little like fried egg boobs, like, you know, whatever. But like she's always shot beautifully she's lit Mm -hmm. gorgeously her skin is beautiful her hair is beautiful like there is a sexual element to how we see her and i think that that is partially because of he's shooting it but i think it's also partially because it wants us to see her a little bit in that way absolutely there's even like her running like down the down the halls of the mental facility well no that's live it's very cool well that's specifically so this is sarah so when sarah goes internal and has those dreams or like waking nightmares or whatever they are in all those moments she is feminine more feminine than she is in real life she wears like like a slip well, no, because like, then she's sexy. Oh in yeah, one of them. no, I'm, 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 I'm ignoring that that even existed because it's an extended. But I, yes, I think it's you're actually right. in the extended. It's in actually the extended good. There's the slip. Yeah, so she yeah. wears like this kind of like sexy, pretty slip, and has like the mm-hmm. sexual mm-hmm. moment with her partner who she like longs for, like misses him horribly. Right? It, she doesn't want to do yeah. this alone. And then, well, which is something I want to talk about later, is that relationship. Yeah. But. And then later, then she immediately, that immediately segues into her reoccurring nightmare where she sees herself as like the uber mom. Like she's wearing like a frilly, very 90s like dress and she's just laughing and playing with her kid. And she's watching from the outside wearing her like undershirt and just like screaming at it. And I think it's like, and she's seeing that this version of herself cannot cannot prevent the apocalypse neither yeah. version no, of herself yeah. prevents the apocalypse right so but that version in particular she knows is not able to protect her son right well that's exactly what that scene is telling you like I, she feels like that won't be enough i think that it's a it's a wider commentary on the extreme pressures that we put on mothers to be perfect and soft and womanly enough to be sexually desirable and sweet with their children but tough enough to protect and shape our future. And it calls out that dynamic as wildly unfair. Nobody can live up to those standards. Being a woman does not live up to... It's like, it's wildly unfair, but also it points out that it's like a deep imperative. Like, she has to be a good mom, and she has to protect her kid. And I can't think of a more hallmark, like, woman experience than being in a situation that you know is wildly unfair, but you also know you have to pull through. Like, you have to make it work because no one's coming to rescue you. So I like that. I think it's very empowering that Sarah is, is going through this. We aren't told this by anyone but her. Like, occasionally John will say something like she's not a very good mother or we'll have like moments where we're like, Ooh, I don't, I wouldn't have done that if I were her. Yikes. Like you're like, you know, like touch your kid's hand. He's crying. Like things like that. But the, the harshest and meanest critic of that is herself internally. And that is empowering to me. Yeah, I agree. I, I love that critique. It's something I definitely picked up on as well. And yeah, I don't think we're ever supposed to want to be Sarah. Um, but I think we understand her and hot take. I like her. I like her because I, because I understand her. I feel intense amounts of empathy for her. And I like the fact that like, in many situations where it'd be easy to just crumble and fall apart and never get back up, she gets back up every time. So I got a lot of respect for Sarah Connor. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Whatever. I'm going to talk about this in the parenthood section, but Fine. um yeah, okay. Yeah. I I actually feel like what's cool like I also kind of like this. I feel like John is a character that could be very annoying and he's not. And he's mostly not because while I understand Sarah's choices, I understand also why John is upset with them. Like 100%. Fully get it. You fully get everyone's perspective. Well, like, I mean, you can't be annoyed with John because when you actually think about a lot of it, like, he's a victim of a lot of fucked up shit that's happening to this kid. Unbelievably um, rough way to grow up. Like, right? Yeah. yeah. Listen, I, I do think that uh, some of uh, Edward Furlong's deliveries remind me of, like, Luke Skywalker talking about, like, how he wants to get... He wanted to go to the Tashi station to get some power convert. Like, he has, like, kind of, like, a, a whiny voice sometimes, but not in a way that, like, mm-hmm. I dislike him in the way that, like, he's a kid. You know? I think he's supposed to be kind of, like, a smart-alecky 90s kid. Like, he's, bar- sure, he's, sure, sure. he's like, kind of Bart like, Simpson-y. The, the screechy yeah. version of his voice, not, like, the, um, not what he says. I'm fine with literally everything he says. I'm just, you know, it's the... But if anything, it kind of highlights that he's still a child. Yeah, he's yeah. Not, exactly. Like... That was what I'm saying. He's He's still a child, and... And, 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 and it took this watch for me to think this, but <clears throat> guys, a little bit of me thinks that this movie is just Iron Giant in the way that it's a story about a boy and his robot. And like all of those scenes where he's just like palling around with his, his new best friend pet Terminator are really sweet. And I love them. And they're a lot of why this movie has lasting power and heart. He kind of like an inversion, right? Because he's developed, he is a character that's developing between his mother and this like surrogate father figure right and it could yeah, be really yeah. saccharine or like feel really like i mean like it's silly that's a silly idea idea it's, it's definitely silly but but instead instead it reveals to us so like the way that he sort of like manages up to both those <laughs> those masters it reveals why he's going to be the future we want and it's not the vision that Sarah has for him where he's going to be like tough and impenetrable because that's what she wants for herself. Right. She does yeah. not, she does not accept or like the fact that she has frailty because she knows she has to protect this kid and that makes her feel weak and scared. So she's trying to like, she's trying to basically like plug all the holes, you know, yeah. but John, yeah. John is one who's always like, you have to, va- you have to value human life. Sarah and, and the Terminator certainly would be happy just to kill everybody in this movie. It's yes. John who's yes. like, you can't kill people. And he doesn't he doesn't even know why you can't. He's just that's his moral compass. Like and which is I think most people's moral compass, but it's striking. <laughs> no, but for sure. But it's striking in this movie because I don't really think a lot of action movies truly take on sort of the mantle of human life well, the matters. Of murder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and because right, like we're watching like the most destructive uh, form of <laughs> entertainment there is basically right with an action movie 100%. we're supposed to we're supposed to watch like mass mayhem and not worry like not even be horrified by it by be entertained strictly so i think it i think like as much as this movie kind of belongs to sarah and the terminator without john i don't think it's a movie anyone remembers because i think it elevates terminator beyond like a dumb action movie and it's yep. also why this movie is perhaps better than Terminator 1. Because Terminator 1 is just like kind of like a big chase, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Terminator 1 is just 
it's kind of like a dumb action movie compared to this movie. Yeah, but you it's under- like a super macho, high body count, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But this movie is about like how what do humans need to survive? They don't need to blow everything up. They don't need to nope. kill everybody. That's counterintuitive. They actually have to like value each other and not want to kill each other. Like yep. that's what's needed. I think it's kind yeah. of that's cool. He's like that's a lot to rest on a young actor, and I think he pulls it off well. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. Um. Uh. <clears throat> I think that it's worth. Sh- <laughs> we got to talk about sh- the Terminator too. I was. I was about to say it's yes. worth shouting out. Uh. Our our T eight hundred model one hundred and one Arnold Schwarzenegger as the titular Terminator. Uh. Coming back in the flesh, it is really fun to get to see a movie wherein like, because the first movie had like okay the first movie has like no budget. And, like, it's a very one-note performance because he's literally just, like, a killer robot. He also does not know how to act. Like, that is canon. Yeah, like, no, that's, that's like, the very first movie. Yeah. I didn't know what mm-hmm. to do. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, yeah, does not 100%. know. Not totally sure he, like, knew all the dialogue, what it meant, either. Yeah, like, possible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 And then this movie comes along, and, like, because of the way that they positioned him, he gets to, like... He gets to be funny. He gets to have sensitive moments. You get to um, really enjoy, like, a very compelling performance. And also, like, <clears throat> this this lesbian is going to say, my, you know, my, my heart goes out to, um, he's, he's kind of babely, guys. Like, he's attractive almost, in this like, movie. You know? I'm never yeah. attracted to Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm, attracted I'm never attracted movie. to Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. but in this it's, movie, he's like less beefy. It's you know, because, he stops bodybuilding. It's like, because he has that existential threat of robotic power, but he's also naive like uh, Daryl Hannah from Splash. Like, he's he's uh-huh. he's like, he's attractive, yeah. Like, <laughs> he just is. Hasta la vista, baby. And he's, anyway. and he's funny. <laughs> he says funny moments. I mean... Yeah. Like so so Sarah allows this to have emotional depth. John allows this movie to have to be iconic essentially. And have like a, a moral compass. Yes. Yeah. Right. And but without Arnold Schwarzenegger pulling off this role, uh there's no suspension of disbelief. He allows you to suspend your disbelief that there could be a terminator. Yeah. It could do this these things. It would say these sorts of things. So it's yep. sort of, I mean, like, that's why the movie's so strong. You got this, like, tripod of, of really good actors providing the story, feeding the story, like, really solid, awesome stuff. And it stands the test of time that way, you know? 100 I don't want to focus too much on Arnold Schwarzenegger being, like, a babe in this. But I also, like, don't usually find him attractive. In this, I was like, okay, I'm with the waitress in the corral who's like, what up? Um, <laughs> but also, there is an element, like... He's like the perfect dad, the perfect partner, right? Like he he taps into that like you want someone who's going to take care of your children and keep them safe and like play catch with them. And he's, I think he does a lot of that stuff too. He's an ubermensch for sure. Yeah. 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 Like you you really you really you really like you really like that he can provide John and Sarah with all the things that they need and you like want it desperately to work out even though you know it's not going to 100% you want him to be able to stay and like be John's dad until like he's an adult you know Yeah, it makes the end so much harder his literal guardian who can like look after him and take care of him in a way that this kid so desperately has needed and been vulnerable in so many situations and suddenly 
you know, he he abuses his power, obviously. He lets uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, after having him stand on one leg for a while, he's like, put, put, put your leg down. And, like, has him, like, grab this guy for uh, calling him a, I don't know, if he called him a dickhead or a dweeb or, like, whatever. Um, but it would be nice if John could live a happier life and not get, like, victimized and bullied or abused or beaten down by a system because he had his, his Terminator at his side. Yeah. Who, who knew that your heart would glow over over that? <laughs> Yeah, it does make his death where he like is doing the final thumbs up at the end, where he's like, he's mm-hmm. like, he's still there for the kid. You're like, ah, oh, so nice. I, I know, Come, I know, I, just climb on out. I was go like, you have Mexico. an extra. Your hand is ruined. They have an extra hand. He's holding I, I, it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I know why you cry. It's something I could never do. I. Yeah. Mm, God, I'm not gonna lie. Tears well into my eyes in those Hits moments. Hits you right in the feels. It does. For sure. It's very also good. worth shouting out, like Robert Patrick, uh, not Agent, uh, not Agent Mulder or Agent nope. Doggett. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I as... I do want to talk about him. He's amazing. Like yeah. in this spectacular. Yeah. You need you need a good villain to push a story like this forward, and he is like just the ultimate. Like, honestly, you don't get any emotion from him at all for, like, 98% of the movie. It's like you knock him down and he's just an unrelenting, inexorable force who's coming after John Connor. The only time we, like, or at least the first time we get any emotion from him is when he's, like, liquid nitrogen frozen and his arm falls off. Like and well, even then, crack apart. and he's well, disapp- yeah, like, and he's just disappointed. Like he wants his, to his mouth just opens, like he's confused. Yeah, and then like three seconds later, he's like back again. No like facial expression. No, he doesn't talk in this movie really, he, except to be yeah, like, he he where did this to the kid go? Once and then he says, "Get out!" Like uh, to the but, guy. But in the he helicopter. doesn't. But that's pretty much speak it. to communicate what he's thinking what's going on in it really like no for you to know what's happening but you know finger at sarah connor like the Such goddamn patriarchy <laughs> and makes me want to break his goddamn finger off oh anyway. he he also i mean like robert patrick just took this movie incredibly seriously which i think so is good bad. he could have not yeah. Like, he could have not. Of course. He doesn't have any dialogue. Like, he might have been like, I'm going to show up, but I'll do this. But, like, two things two things that I think prove that he took this movie incredibly seriously. So, even though he doesn't talk, he doesn't seem dumb. He seems the opposite of dumb. He seems Correct. predatorial and smart, and that's very scary. And he did yeah, that. very scary. By studying the actions and movements of um, raptors and birds of prey and then channeling that into himself. Like, that's that's why he, he moves. He looks like a raptor. Yeah. I never, like, I was thinking that. I didn't know he actually studied them. Yeah. He went I, and, like, I just watched uh, Jurassic Park and I was like, he's like a dinosaur that's going to hunt you down and kill you. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Like, totally. And then he also knew that this movie required a lot of physicality that he could not react to as if he were a human being. Like, he runs a lot in this movie. And so I guess, I mean, like, obviously mm-hmm. he's in shape. He's like he's like a buff sure. dude. But he was not a distance runner. He couldn't run. Like, he, that wasn't part of his, like, routine before doing this movie. So he basically um, studied, like, practiced and trained to be a distance sprinter. And so he could run really fast and for a really long time. And he trained to do it 
so that he would only breathe through his nose when he ran so that he doesn't he doesn't pant or he doesn't open his mouth even like lightly like the you see most runners do so it looks very upsetting yeah. when you watch him do it and he got so good at it that yes. he could like outrun motorcycles and stuff <laughs> like like yeah like, yeah you can after you told me that i rewatched that scene it's when um yeah. it's it's when john connor is on you know his his crotch rocket in his in the dirt mall. bike like in the mall parking yeah, lot. Yeah, in the mall parking lot. And you can see that like he clearly had to hold back because he almost overtakes him like Yeah. Multiple it, times. Yeah. Yes. It's awesome. But yeah, I didn't know that till just now, but like that image of him chasing him in the parking garage is another one of those that I have from a childhood that I like watching it again, I was just like there's something so terrifying about it because Sinister. he runs like a machine. Yeah. He, yes. Like, and that all makes sense. Like, not breathing through your mouth. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's what people do. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why he's so scary. Because it's like, you like know, he's not even reaching his limit either. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't even see his nostrils really fr- flare. I don't know how no. he did it. He doesn't sweat. He's like perfectly quaffed. Like, the whole thing is like very plastic looking the whole time yeah yes. maybe even like a, a mimetic alloy um sorry we'll, we'll get into that i'm sorry i'm just excited i do i do think it's funny that um and we'll we'll see it again and talk about it again i think in dark fate but i do i mean like obviously for practical reasons like robert patrick like studied birds and learned how to run really fast without like having any physiological reaction to it so like obviously he should be the the evil terminator for most of this movie i do think it's funny and like i like the idea that even though these are machines they have preferences and he's like yeah this body just feels good this is who i'm gonna be for most of this movie so that's that is the that is the body he arrives in because the cop that he first sees i had this conversation with someone the cop that he first sees does not look like him so that is his natural state body so this movie uh, relies on technology and time travel. In fact, there are some time paradoxes. In fact, I think that the Terminator series is when I first really had my seating for what a multiverse was. Uh, really, really, just you know, introduced my young mind. So, um, I you know, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Just just to just to get us started. Um, t- talking about timelines and paradoxes, and I think that this will be relevant because we're not just talking about this movie. We're going to be talking about Dark Fate. So, all right, the first movie, there's war against, uh, you know, humans and, and machines because machines were once an uprising and there was a big, like, explosion and, you know, lots of humans died. So the robots to win the war try to prevent the leader of the resistance from being born. All right, so they send someone back in time. Uh, a lot of people believe that, like, you can't actually jump back into your own timeline, that once you, like, go back into a timeline, like, you've created a new timeline which is why like John Connor's father is Kyle and that like it's not just like something that's constantly a looping cycle it's the multi-world interpretation of quantum mechanics exactly so the terminators are coming back to try and like prevent like the resistance leader Sarah Connor is trying to prevent the need for anyone to come back in time in the first place and and resolve that that future and her current timeline by stopping uh, Skynet and Cyberdyne systems from becoming uh, the ultra power and developing this technology that ends up attacking humans in the first place. So that's that's the first thing that's kind of cool about this movie is you get to like 
you get to have fun in the multiverse. Life is pretty cool, you know? Like, we're talking about timelines and shit. Like, let's, what up, world? But the other thing is, like, the way in which they do the world building and deliver upon it is really fucking badass and, like, so, only achievable through their... Yeah, please. So you... Th- so do you... I think that this is a little... So I think that the time travel logic of this is a little bit of a damn mess because I think they both want... <laughs> they. It is necessary for there to be a multi-world... Uh, uh, interpretation of quantum mechanics for Kyle from the future to be John's dad because otherwise like what um like Mm -hmm. that does and and actually even if you believe that there's like a a multiple timelines that also kind of doesn't work because of it it doesn't necessarily work because like that John apparently like sent Kyle back and was like you're gonna meet my you know whatever but like so there must have been like a John Prime that didn't know that then found out and then like after that yeah it doesn't it doesn't quite it doesn't and and John Prime must have come at a time when Kyle existed within the same timeline of Sarah so that they could like copulate and have John so it's like that's sort of weird but then, yeah. so but then they. Talk. No, I'm saying I'm saying John Prime is not is not like Sarah and Kyle's offspring. There was another John, oh. but like the John that is born is like one that like came in later. You know, <laughs> I've read a lot about it. Right, it's, but it's then, a mess. It's a point. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's, and but it's most, a fun mess. Most time travel movies are a mess. But like, I yeah. think that the because this movie is so much about like fate and changing fate. You There's no almost, fable what you make. You almost, which I think is a great theme. Uh, you almost can't fully like bear hug the idea of multiple timelines because at that point you get the existential dread of like, well, none of it matters because this is just what's happening in my timeline. And well, you, like, have, you have to believe that there are millions of timelines in which this is happening. It's just like in slightly different details, but then there are also millions of timelines where like, yeah, this is not happening and everything fails. Like you know, yeah. like. I- what that, I'm what I'm saying yes. is I think it uses multiple timelines and but then also says like but this is really what happened which is what a lot of time travel movies do where they're like 100 percent they right. try to have their cake and eat it too yeah which is fine but I do think Dark Fate is supposed to be like the darkest timeline I don't think that's supposed to be like what definitely happens I think that's like one particular I don't well know, we should just- save that for when we talk about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just I feel uh, like we have to like introduce I, I this think weird the- time travel logic that like these movies. try to employ sure and i think there is weird time travel logic but this this movie in particular for time travel movies is like very adept at kind of sidestepping that and being like 100 it doesn't bother you when you watch it's not the focus of it and you don't like find a lot of logic plot holes based on it because it there's so many other things to focus on i I think especially if you don't have the extended release version ending like then you don't have like the like oh, and then fuck. it was all wrapped up you know like just it's and it's then too, i got a bad prosthetic much. and went to the park so. yeah it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's the future but i still am using a weird tape recorder um uh-huh. <laughs> that was my favorite part of all that i was like no well, also like I, d- I do like you know i do like seeing a future linda hamilton not looking like that like you know it's nice anyway sorry i mean i i i liked all the groovy like frisbee players too i mean like that was like that that i did enjoy <laughs> i did enjoy that but it's just it's hacky an- sacks and those like weird um little like saucers you would have on your like strings that people play with oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 no, i don't it's- even know what they're called but that was still a thing then. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, like, it's, it doesn't work because the whole idea of 
making your own fate is that you have to wait to see if it cooks right. Like, you know, it's like that anticipation is important to the theme of fate (laughs) and having it being a self-determined person to make the things you want happen in the world. So it's like it's like it's such a cheat to show you that it all works out because you need that that little edge that it might not work out. That's why you have to try hard every day. Brush your teeth, a hero. Wake up a hero. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's also why there are, like, six Terminator movies. Because, like, you know, you can't just button it up. Come on, guys. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, though, like, I, I'm could. not I'm not mad that Dark Fate exists. Uh, I don't care about Terminator 3, nor do I care about the Christian Bale Terminator, no. which I don't no. care about to the point no. where I don't even know the title of it. I don't care about it. Genesis. I don't care about I think it's Redemption. I don't I don't, know. I don't care. I just don't care about it. Who cares? And it's all bad. I do think it could have ended here and been totally fine. Like, I am very yeah. happy yes. with the end of this movie. I think that it's beautiful. I love the racing, um, like, lines in the street and just, like, her. Yeah, her... Seeing, the, seeing the dark highway. Very cool. Know, love that end. not knowing exactly what's coming. I also do, like, beat poet Sarah Connor uh, or slam poet Sarah Connor, like, <laughs> yeah. at her cafe talking about how I used to be able to see the road. Now. It's just dark highway in front of me. Sometimes the bongos play. Uh, it reminds me of like <laughs> Elaine Vaughn and Katie Jones telling us about like the uh, poem that they found on the copy machine at their like library that was like "Love is a battlefield." I cry every night. I, I forgot like, entirely you know, about that. Oh yeah, I think about that whenever I think of us uh, beat poets and slam poets because uh, not actual beat poets. You know what I mean. <clears throat> anyway, I I Sarah have Connor. a I have a secret favorite character. Oh, not a secret, but I have like a sleeper favorite character of this who is Teresa Dyson. I like her a lot because everything yeah. everything that girl says is true. Like where she's like, "Wait, aren't we already changing things?" I'm like, "Yeah, your timeline is split at this point. I mean, you can do more to split it yeah. more." But you're right. Like she, the whole time no when they're what, like, things will be different, yeah. right? Like where she's like sitting in her kitchen and they're like, and they're like, and that's why I was gonna murder your husband. And she's like, yeah. I mean, couldn't you have just like stepped on a butterfly or something? What's wrong with the, you? the whole time? She's like, so you came in, shot my husband, traumatized my child. Couldn't you have just been like, hey, don't do that? Like, yo, maybe knock P- on the front door. P.S. Talk about the technology just for a second, and then yeah. we can move on. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So first off. I would like to say that the way in which they uh, represent the technology in in this particular film and maybe in future installments is very cool. Uh, it does a lot yeah. for like some fun world building. Like, all right, like, and and it also like all like borrows from having like a budget in which you're able to actualize things. So let's talk about like the very first time we see Arnold Schwarzenegger coming in a weird energy sphere, and we know it's a weird energy sphere because of that perfect spherical cut off of the side of that big rig, like. It's just fucking chef's kiss, beautiful mise-en-scene that, like, tells the story of, like, how this technology looks and acts. And then you see it, like, mirrored again when you see, like, that perfect circular cut through the um, the fence. Like, that shit's dope. Mm-hmm. You, get to, you get to hear uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger talk about how he is a cybernetic organism. And uh, he has, uh, and the T one thousand is a mimetic alloy. But like, what's cool about being a cybernetic organism? Do you all like my own first finger, by the way? I'm, it's pretty I'm, good. I'm practicing. Good. I'm trying. It's yeah, pretty it took, good. It took a while. I'm good. At, I'm not good at voices. So um, this mm. is one of your better ones. I'll be. I'm like this being is, this very is genuine. One of my better ones. I'm being yes. very genuine here. I'm not teasing you. <laughs> um, but he, 
like the idea that like there's a there's a there's a human tissue on the outside and like and maybe that tissue like can decay and maybe it can like age or whatever that like that doesn't have to be bound to it because it's like a separate element to like this you know this mechanical structure inside it's a very interesting way of choosing to represent this and i think you know probably uh <clears throat> influenced the way that we saw uh the Borg as like you know this like half machine half human sort of like collective you know um you have the Alex Mack T-1000 Terminator which like you you hear from the beginning like can become a human can't become a complex machine like can't become a giant bomb can't become like a giant um gun. A giant gun uh to be fair doesn't make a ton of sense because the human body is a pretty complex organism unless you so much more complicated look, but just okay. looks like a human body but inside is just like goo which i think is what you're supposed to believe because like you have that amazing moment where he's going through the bars at the mental facility and it's just like it just slides through him and like jello and maybe it doesn't look perfect but it holds up honestly it is still it compelling good. And there's that perfect moment where then the gun doesn't automatically come through because the gun is not a part of him. And, like, just, like, these little details that both take... It's like if you're doing improv or you're, like... Or you're, or you're miming, like, a movement. If you don't, like, understand the physics of the thing, it's going to be noticeable. They know enough and they've thought enough and they've built enough of a world that, like, it doesn't distract you. And instead, like, you can come back and, as a nerd, um, really revel in all of these little details it's really fucking dope it's such a cool way for that's like a an important scene too because that's when um sarah and her um psychiatrist both recognize that this person is not human and is a threat to them because otherwise they've just been kind of mm -hmm. like seeing him as like another like another police officer another guard in the um institution that sarah's at it's when yeah. It's when he does it, and it's cool that it's not him, like, and then he turns into a chainsaw! Like, you know, it's not it's not a wild, crazy, like, they would, like, pass out if they saw that. You know, like, there's yeah. no, like, yeah. it's a, a high moment. It's like a, a dream sequence, almost. Yeah. Like, just, like, a, like, this doesn't, this can't be real. Right. Like, yeah. like, like, they would rub their eyes and be like, I don't think I really just saw what I just saw. So it's cool that they did. They went about it that way. And the and definitely the gun clinking behind the bars is, is such a cool scene, like a cool mm -hmm. detail. Yeah. It. Well, and and so and you also have. So you have uh, uh, Vasquez from Aliens in this movie as the uh, as the foster mom, Janelle. And you have this beautiful moment where, and it's the T-1000, and you're having her shit husband talking shit and being an asshole the way that he has been to her before. And at this point, Janelle's dead. But you have this moment where someone who looks like Janelle on screen gets to respond to a guy being a real dick by just, like, arm becomes a sword and pierces his face through a milk carton when he's drinking directly from it, which is a disgusting thing to do and spreads germs. And Unacceptable. An unacceptable thing. An no. unacceptable thing to do. And it's, it's pretty fucking dope, guys. Like, I know that, like, his arm just becomes, like, a sword and that's, like, not the coolest thing, but that is a cool moment. It, like, is, a cool, it is a cool moment. I'm not sure if I quite read it. I was like, I'm glad that guy's dead, but it is a cool moment. <laughs> I was, I will admit, I was pretty glad that guy was dead. No, I mean, like, both of those people were not great. 
<laughs> no, I felt no, worse no, for no. her. I felt like she she was problematic, but it was like this but guy. But she also is came inside and like worst. asked for help, and that guy was just like, oh, yeah, it was like, oh, God, if it's an emergency, like, no, he sucked. The TV. Those also, I can't imagine nagging. having a teenage boy living in my house and being like, hey, clean up your room, and they just completely ignore me and rub their like dirt bike engine over me. Like, yeah. I feel for Janelle. So. Also, in the extended version, you see it's a pretty cool room. Like, Megan Yeah, which is also a pigsty. We're like, we're like, I mean, he's got a lot of stuff. I know he's probably paying for all this stuff himself, but, like, they're letting him have his, like, public enemy and social distortion shit up, you know? Like, (laughs) they're not all bad, you know? Yeah. Uh, in the extended anyway. version, she, then she also kills a dog, which is not great. But yeah, oh that's my, a well, tough look. Yeah, I was like, fucking awful. I'm so. It's glad good I got to know cut. though that America then and America now killed the black guys, but not the dog. My yeah, God. For, for real. They were like, oh, it's fine that those step parents are dead, but the dog. Well, like Max didn't do anything. Max <laughs> yeah. or Wolfie knee Max didn't do anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just barks. Oh man! I do like that. There's an yeah. ongoing. There's an ongoing thread through these movies where it's like dogs. No, if you're a Terminator, <laughs> I think that's very yeah. funny. It's like They're the dogs. No. Yeah, Megan. Megan, why, why don't why don't you wrap up our t- technology t- issue by talking the about floor. the existential threat? Okay. So first of all, I have like a couple different other things. So like, what was just out of curiosity, what was the like tech like visual moment that you were like, oh, this is really cool. Like for you guys, but your top one. I I loved seeing Robert Patrick like sliced in half with his head like up at the top, like you know, as this like weird mm-hmm. like very Cronenberg thing. Yeah, like yeah. outside the elevator. Okay, that was just one. What moment. about you, Mary? Uh, I mean, like it's a lot. Like I I was I was wowed before this, but the scene that I think is the most like visually spectacular is definitely when he's like freezing. And breaking apart. Yes, that and, scene's so good. Yeah. And, and mostly that I think the times when he's like kind of like coming apart, and it, it leads into this. Like that happens, and then there like comes like his hand gets really stretched out at one point. Like all of that is very cool. And like yeah, yeah. and like is carried on the 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 both. It looks good, or it looks good enough, and it's just like such a great idea that it's it's mm-hmm. pretty spectacular. Those are they're mine. really cool ideas. They like they thought through the ideas. It's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Megan? I think. I think he- him with the frozen nitrogen breaking apart is like just su- you're right such a cool thing. I think the other like image that really struck me though was like when Arnold is like taking like degloving his own hand. Oh yeah, and That's like cool. the shot looking at his face through his hand where he's like now listen to me very carefully and I'm like no one's listening to anything you say after that. Like, everyone's they're stuck. How I feel, but you know. Their brains have now shut down. Like, you can say whatever you want. Like, they're they're all done. Those yep. poor people. Yep. Like, I also like, I also like that, like, uh, <laughs> like in that scene, because John's like, show him. And then <laughs> the hey, is buddy, like, show me your room. You want to play race cars? Like, yeah, but he's like, you need to show, or maybe Sarah says it. Like, someone tells him, like, you need to show John, them what you are. John is it John? It. Okay, and then he like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, all right, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna completely remove my my, my hand skin, 
from yes. the elbow forward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's like, no other place I could do I'm this. Like, I'm like, probably just, like, you could have just pulled, pulled your eye down a little bit. I think that that would have probably Is that done better? It. Like, I don't know. I think not watching a man, like, going up the road, not across the street, and then skin his arm. Pull that skin off his arm. It does seem like he's, like, trying to murder himself at first. You're like, like, if you're those people, you're like, Wait, he's slitting like his wrist open in front of us. Like, could this day those guys who are like they break their own finger and are like, if I would do this to me, imagine what I'd do to you. Except you already shot a man in his home and he's bleeding out. Like, and you've just separated these people from their child. Like when John's yeah, like, you I need know. to come with me. You understand? Yeah, I was like, everyone's really chill about you taking their like four year old upstairs out of eyesight. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's the right thing to do in that moment. But you're absolutely right. I'd be like, stay the fuck away from my child. <laughs> like, like, no, you sit your ass down. Like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> if I don't have my hand on you, I don't know that you exist. So you know, you're staying right here. Famously, yeah. uh, the first time, so Arnold Schwarzenegger had, like, a, I think it was a toddler at this point. One of his kids was a toddler. And she was visiting him on set the day that his face, like, he's, like, part of his face skin is removed. And you can see, oh, no. you can see underneath it. And they were like, it was the first time she screamed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fucking bet. Are you kidding me? One of the main themes of this movie is it's in your nature to destroy yourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this whole movie, especially watching it now, it feels like a time capsule from the past that's warning us about the power of technology that we don't understand completely, but we just blithely use it and expand the technology. Um, And in this, like, it's very clear the annihilation of the human race is due to computers and supercomputers. But with everything happening, it feels like you could easily Mad Libs this and supercomputers could be global warming, nukes, corona, murder hornets. Like, just pick a thing um, that we have done that will eventually lead to our ultimate destruction. Um, And they're all things that, like, at the very least are like exacerbated by humans if not monsters of our own making um so that's like one big thing the other thing you guys know about skynet right like not from the movie yes like like that 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 there are there are things in the works to basically create skynet yeah Nah, girl. Well, there's there's, there's literally an literally NSA named. program. It's an NSA program called Skynet. Why? Yes, I have done research on this. That feels um, that feels like dumb. very sloppy. Dumb. Yeah. So the current Skynet is like a surveillance program that uses phone metadata to track the location and call activities of suspected terrorists. Mm. So, like, not the same thing, but. Never you fear. There is a program called Monster Mind yep. that um, the official like definition is a defense surveillance system that would instantly and autonomously neutralize foreign cyber attacks and could be used to launch retaliatory strikes as well. So it is actual Skynet, but we just named it Monster Mind because that's cuddlier do you, i don't know do you, i don't do you also think that they were like well we'll name something that like you know is just like 
killing brown people and making their lives tough, Skynet. Because, like, who cares about that? That'll throw them way off the track. Then we'll name this thing Monster Munch. No yeah. one will look there. <laughs> like Right. But it's, it's also, like, just the, the idea of the hubris, I think it underlines this whole theme of, like, it's in our, like, um, nature to destroy ourselves that you would watch this movie. Because the people who named this had to have been at an age where it was a pretty influential film. And then as an adult, we're like, Skynet, that's what we'll call it. That, yeah, no, that's it's definitely that's a movie good. reference. It's a joke. Like, they're not, yeah. They didn't make up that name out of the air. They, right. they yeah, made no. it. No, no, it's a they're, reference. They, they made it as a tongue-in-cheek thing, yep. meaning that they just don't take seriously <sighs> their power and, and the fact that they could destroy the world. Men yeah. like you created oh, we'll the get atomic there. I have feelings bomb. about that. I have too. some major feelings about that. Um and yeah. uh they're not they're not super on uh, Sarah's side mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. I I got really stuck in an NSA wormhole though about this and got um more and more upset. Shout out to like a wired article by Ken Zetter by the way. Hey. That That's very good. helpful. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think, I don't, I do not fear technology quite to the same degree that you do, but, but. <laughs> not yet you don't. Not yet I don't, but. <laughs> Wait till your mom is a cyborg and then you'll see. <laughs> then you'll see. But you know how, like, you don't have to, you don't have to be paying that much attention or, like, doing these deep dives to recognize that the people who are wielding technology that could really mess us all up do not care about other people i mean like all you have to look at is the fact that like none of the heavy hitters uh in california in the tech space have like contributed anything to coronavirus relief not really like they haven't they don't care nope they don't care and and that should give you some serious pause <laughs> like you should yeah. think about that like they are holding they own all of our data they yep. they mm-hmm. hold they hold the future in their hands um yep. and uh zuckerberg apparently quote unquote can't understand new information that he doesn't already agree with so you know that's super cool I'm sorry. Okay. Well, but what? he's he's pretty focused right now, though, on trying to use a third party to kick a bunch of people off the island of Kauai, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah. So cool. So he's he's busy. He's got other oh. fish to fry for the moment. Then he can yeah. then he can manage. Then he can start attaching nukes to drones and sending them around the country. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, like these people. I mean, and I think that should give a serious pause and and make you question. Like, I think this movie has a pretty. Um, it has a kind of like a more gentle take on this. Like you've got that scene where John is watching those children play with what appear to be real guns, and he's like, "They look super real." They, I paused it multiple times. I, I was know. like, "They don't even look like toys." No, like, they they're look shiny like, metal. There is one moment where you can tell that they're a toy, but like it's very, very I would have if, if I if There's I were James if 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 I was Jimmy Cam- Cameron I would have made them very Jimmy obviously Cam's. fake. Very fake. Yeah. Instead vi- of it being like, kids are playing with actual... G- because that happens in America. Yeah. Kids actually shoot each other in themselves Well, of, all the of time. course, but it's just like, it doesn't... It- is as opposed to me like taking in what he's saying, which is like watching children like playing as they naturally do and then being like, oh, we're doomed. Like, I was too distracted. I was like, are those... <laughs> Real guns? Are those actual guns? <laughs> holding guns? I'm not even listening to what you're saying, yeah. James Cameron. I'm distracted by the kids 
little gun. Yes. Jim, have you heard yeah. of Nerf? Like, the stuff exists <laughs> for this. Um, yeah, but like I, I but I, I think that this kind of takes like a pe- the people, the people, all of them want to destroy each other. And I'm like, mm, I think that's less true. I think it's mostly the people at the top just don't care. And they we'll... don't care who who gets destroyed in their path. Yeah. Yeah, but it, not, it doesn't. It doesn't. Ma- every man isn't trying to murder everyone. Yeah, but it doesn't. I don't think it matters long term for the legacy of this movie. I think it still holds no, it up doesn't. well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but and I guess I would argue that the every man isn't trying to murder everyone, but it's more that the every man is complacent and doesn't doesn't notice care or care. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I get, I get why we're all held accountable. Um. Yeah, yeah, I just I think it's the inhumanity. I don't think that this I don't think this movie like desires to take on the establishment quite in the way that it deserves to be could, in this particular. Yeah, in this particular arena, because like the scientists, and I love Miles. Like I'm I'm very glad that Miles doesn't love get Miles. does not get murdered by Sarah, only to be murdered later, um, which is very sad. <sighs> but yeah, by some fucking cops. Yeah, although I feel like that's sort of like we kind of have some of the bluster together since we just watched a character we all like almost shoot him too. Um, yeah, no, yeah. it just it almost feels just sort of like wantonly cruel at that point. Like I don't anyway. Um, but I do. I think that they, that he kind of glosses over where he's just, where it's like these great men, these great men of science. Like he's clearly like a stand up dude. We're supposed to like him. Like that's how it's set up. What we need to do is we need to get a shot of his boss being like zucking around or being like Elon Musk, yes. and then and then yeah. we can know really, really who is the face behind these th- the, the yeah. The instead of just getting the well, but- the oblique reference to when I first came on, I asked where it came from. You know what I was told? Don't ask. Yeah. You know, like but I, I need do I need to like- see who says that. Yeah, I I do think though that there is um a weight that we're ignoring to the point that like it is someone who's like not trying to be malicious but is like this would be cool technology and not considering the like depth or magnitude of what they're doing right like sure this would be wouldn't this just be so cool if we could do it and not thinking even two steps down the path from where that leads a movie that tackles this beautifully is real genius i'd recommend it to everyone it's in my top 10 for sure yeah Um, hell yeah about how if you're a smart person people will people will try to use your brains to their financial gain in ways that you are morally not okay with um Uh yeah we just tackles i think that 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 would be like the next step beyond this movie is not i don't think this movie is trying to go that deep I think it's, it's more. It's not trying to tell that story. Yeah, it's more like it's more like with their guns and their bombs in their head. Yeah. Like it's that kind of thing, and that's fine. And it's 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 still it's still poignant and um, remarkable. I mean, I don't think they're trying to go there, but I do think Sarah's monologue kind of does serve to be like, but think about it, right? Like, I think that's the point of what she's saying, even though we all have our own shit with that so well some of us do some of us are just here cheering let us move on mental health to mental health megan oh no take us away (laughs) oh Oh, no (laughs) so i do think mental health in this has a tough look um well i don't um, okay megan real quick did you watch the first terminator movie 
It's okay no. if you didn't. All right. So just- I watched clips of it just so I would get an idea of what, like, young Sarah Connor was like in, mm-hmm. like, kind of comparing her to Sarah Connor now, not to see Dr. Silberman or the rest of it. Yeah. So this was the only thing I want to give as a background to um, anyone who okay. doesn't watch you the first start. one. Lead which in. is fine. No, no. This is all I'm going to say. Uh, we meet Dr. Silberman uh, in the first movie, wherein he has Kyle, a uh, man from the future, who's talking about the end of the world. And it's like, oh, man, this kind of delusion. I'm going to like, I'm going to build my career on this. And then you see the second movie and he has built his career saying that Sarah is delusional and there's no way he's going to ever let her go because the whole point is that that is like what his career is based on. Anyway, go ahead, Megan. That's all I just wanted to. I feel like that's So I think that's good to know. Um, I I was talking about this, you know, there's the one of the opening shots we get in the mental institute is him like walking down the hall with what appear to be residents or trainees or people who are new to this facility and talking to them about Sarah's quote fairly unique and quote (laughs) original delusions and I was talking I was explaining her delusions to someone else and they were like yeah like I've seen like three people like that this week like these are not like delusions that you're like oh wow no one's ever thought of anything like this like um well do these you think aren't that they're unique. impacted by these... terminator 2 being in the lexicon this yeah, is a genuine yes. question yes well i would guess no. oh really you i know. the the idea of giving birth to saviors oh, or is that old. the people around you are not who they say they are and they're like fundamentally here to hurt you and they're maybe aliens or maybe from the future like that's not new and i don't think that's because of this because some of those tap into more like um religious or other like realities that i think we think about i think i read i read a piece about how um paranoid delusions of people watching you or um strict similar to how this movie allows us to contextualize stuff differently as like it enriched Mm -hmm. our science fiction dialogue i would not be surprised if this movie did not cause delusions but gave people vocabulary to express their delusions the reason i say this is i know that that's true about the truman show people have had paranoid delusions about other people watching them but as we like, as the advance of like when Truman Show came out, people were like, oh, it could be like within the context of a reality show. And now that reality shows are yeah. like so crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I am a simulation. I'm yeah. the only real person I, in this thing. I think I, I do think there is an element of like it made it easier for them to explain it to other people. Yeah. But it was but, there. Like, a lot it, of these delusions make... of people. Yeah. yeah like they've yeah. been there for a long time. There is. I mean, it is interesting, though, as technology has like advanced. um, like, so they have the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, and it's kind of like the guidebook of all mental illness diagnoses, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It has criteria for schizophrenia, for depression, whatever. Um, but schizophrenia is interesting because in the last reiteration, um, in the DSM-5, it used to be like paranoid delusions was like a key specifier. Mm-hmm. And they completely got rid of that because they were bizarre the idea that things were bizarre. Um, they got rid of that too because with technology advancing how it is, like, you know, I, if I see a patient who says, um, my TV's listening to me. You're like, you're right. Is that bizarre? Like, the, yeah. it could be. Like, them smashing all the TVs in their house, like, 
do they have an Apple TV? Do they have like an Echo? Like, I, it's not bizarre anymore. Like, technology has advanced to a point where, like, in the seventies, if you said your TV was watching you, people were like, "Okay, sure." But like now, it's I don't know. Yeah, not the response totally behavior absurd. is bizarre, but not like you know, but not right. necessarily the the fear. The fear is now founded, which is right. Yeah, if the NSA like has released that they're actually listening to everyone's phone. Is it crazy for you to tell me that people are listening to your phone? Like, they probably are. So, yeah. Um, that is interesting. So, th- that's that's just been something I've been thinking about with this. Because, like, she does have, like, we know, as the viewer, that everything she's saying is completely true. Yeah. Watching this as a mental health person, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> everything she says is batshit. And, every- and the way he... Um, does the interview, right? Like, you see the video, which is not something I've ever done. But then he's talking to her about it, and he's like, you know, you say that you don't believe these things, but a week ago you told me this. And kind of pushing her, like, that's kind of what you do. So, like, in that part, he's, like, completely realistic. Also, though, I will say, I was shocked by the idea that he was, like, so six months ago, I told her if she was good for six months, we'd move her to minimum security. A few weeks ago, she stabbed me in the knee with a pen. But we're still going to review her to see if she can go to minimum security. <laughs> for real? What is happening? Just yeah. to be cruel. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. 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 I was like, she stabbed you in the knee with a pen. Like, I don't think we need to have this whole conversation. Like, she's not good to go. Yeah. Um, I th- but I, I do think the other harder thing with me for this, which is, like, a trope in so many movies, and admittedly, like, I wasn't doing psychiatry in the 90s, 80s, 70s, I don't know, but asylums are places that, like, um, dehumanize you and abuse you, like, it's an invasion of your mind and your body, like, the, the orderlies... That guy seems like he's probably a rapist. Like, yeah, licking her um, face. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, De- I think we're definitely supposed right. to he's think sexually that, that is like the her. least of yeah. what he has done to her. Right. I th- I think the implication is that things have been much worse than that in the past, and that this is just like an acceptable normal. Like, all of that is really hard to watch for me. Um, yeah, it's a seems like a very yeah. '90s vision of mental health. This is the time where people are like, "You can't be on antidepressants because that'll change your your personality, man." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "No, it's medication. Yeah. I need it. It's like it's yeah, like it's blood pressure. You're still gonna be yeah. you. It we're, just moves your baseline a little bit. You're still gonna the, get sad and it's, angry. It's very one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I mean, mm-hmm. I would, I have this working theory that it's because all of these directors. Um, have very limited interactions with mental health that are all unpleasant. Yeah. Mostly, I don't know about James Cameron. I don't know if he's ever had substance abuse issues, but a lot of them have substance abuse issues, so they like are entirely basing mental health off like a couple of rounds through AA. Yeah. You know, Cameron well, has been not... married five times though, so I'm sure he's been yeah. to marriage counseling, <laughs> and I yeah, think he's defensive. 100%. And I don't think this movie too bad on that count, but it, I mean, like. It definitely needs to be said, like, we actually need more hospitals and institutions to focus on mental health and, like, yes. care for people. And funding yeah. and, like, all... It's, it's well, also and, interesting, and like, hindsight... damage the perception of it and made it more stigmatized when we need to be normalizing, mm-hmm. like, mental health treatment. Yep. Well, and hindsight being 2020, so um, I was, like, trying to look up um, mental illness and Terminator and, like, looking at that... 
Linda Hamilton actually has bipolar disorder. It wasn't diagnosed until she was in her 40s. But it, like, rewatching it, thinking about that, it made me wonder if, like, this is also tapping into a fear she has of, like, what it would be like to be institutionalized. Mm, mm-hmm. um, it was really interesting thinking about it from that perspective. Or too. this installed those fears within her. Like, yeah, right. 100%. Like, this is what would happen. Yeah. Um, I do think... Um, they don't explicitly or implicitly or really like make this a point. Um, but the idea of her PTSD in this is like just that amazing. Moment, I think that moment is yeah. so powerful when she the first image, sees him and she like suddenly mm-hmm. crumbles and it's just like yeah. desperate to the, get away. Yeah. The image of her, like she's running down the hall and like you can, it's like seared in my mind, but he comes around the corner. It's, dark it's like lit by moonlight and she slides and like you can tell as she's sliding she's trying to like kind of back up and get away but also the music um slows down and starts to be a heartbeat and it kind of evokes that sense of panic like I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack or anxiety but it's like uh, patients describe it like the heart thudding out of your chest like I can only imagine seeing that in theater with surround sound and how that would feel um it's amazing. It's yeah. Just no, I think so it really good. does capture PTSD very. Like every time I see that scene, I'm like, this is it, a great representation yeah. of that kind of trauma. And she goes from like trying to kill all the orderlies and her psychiatrist to she's running to them, being like, I I need help. We need to get out. Like he's gonna um, kill all of you. He's gonna kill right. all of us. Yeah, it's so good. Mm. So yeah. Do we want to? Yeah, that's a that is a good moment. I hadn't thought about that. I thought this one pretty much got like an F in terms of mental health because I'm like, I mean, like, even if you don't think that even even if you do understand, which we the audience does that Sarah is absolutely sane. Sarah's not absolutely sane. Like, she's not. No, she acts fucking crazy. Like, if she acted like that, like, you can't go if she just pretended to be chill and be like. No, everything's all right. Like well, she even could when play she the game to, chill, to get to minimum security. Like, no, and then she, and then she like and then she immediately unravels. attacks him. So like it all yeah. unravels so fast. Well, she's she's very reactionary. She's quite violent. Like even if you understand and accept that what she's saying is true, her reactions to it are not healthy. Like she needs help. She desperately needs well, yeah, somebody no, to help and it, her. And it's all born from her own. PTSD honestly like this is like she was a normal human she experienced unspeakable trauma saw unspeakable violence so like you know so much murder in front of her and experienced such fear for her own life that this is the way she's responded and it's not a help it's not no she needs mental health help like look at what she does the one of the first things she does to the Dyson family is like that's it we're gonna kill all of them except you know, just really mortally wound him and traumatize his whole family and, like, yeah, you know, she's, hey, that she's, whole thing. She's not the reason why he dies, all right? Like, but let's, she almost know. was the reason. I mean, she kind of is the reason he dies. She's, she's well, I mean, the, the only reason she didn't is because her own trauma and her own mental illness and, like... But yeah. that's also the she, re- only reason why she, she was trying to do it. Him. Like, it's the double-sided sword. It's both yeah. the thing that I, starts it and the thing that stops it. I, yeah. I think it doesn't It doesn't change the fact that she's a, a wonderful character, but I do think we have to own Sarah Connor's shit that she was, like, fully just going to murder Miles to, like, as a quick solution to feel like she yeah. had control over a situation that is 
admittedly yes, yes, very yes, wild. Yes. Like very yes. wild. But like she's got to own that yep. shit. Yes. Like yep. she decided she was going to kill like a decent uh, and that's the whole point. That's the whole point of the story is that he is a decent good You're man. A decent man who when told like what's happening is like, "All right, like he's like, yeah, I'll definitely yeah. not work on it." Okay, yeah. well then yeah, I'll definitely destroy right. everything. Like he goes in there uh and and seems to presumably know the risk that is the one thing i really liked about the extended was getting to see him be like you know i I spent hours and hours working on this and then he like beats the shit out of it himself like it's like yeah you know it's not like i'm bittersweet about it maybe i'll save a backup copy it's like this was my work now i'm gonna kill it you know um Yeah. yeah you get to see him like have real ownership and autonomy and choice in the extended which I like. I like that for him. Yeah, no, I mean, I have, I, I, I love Miles. I feel bad for Miles and his family. I feel so bad for Miles. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, so it's horrible. So it's yeah. the bad things that happen to him, like, yeah. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about, um, about the mental health issues of Sarah Connor and the ways in which it's portrayed, um, maybe ineffectively, but also the very real reality that this is a character who is dealing with some serious mental health issues that could do us some care. Um, <clears throat> Let's talk about her being a mom, and part of that is definitely influenced by her own trauma and and this and and her shortcomings uh, in her mental health and how that shades her. Maybe not being the best mom, Mary. You lead us I, in. I don't necessarily. I don't really think this movie dings her too bad on not being a good mom. You know, and like when you watch it, you're like, yeah, these are not good choices. I think it's like a larger yep. story about like what it is to be a parent and what it is to be a family. I don't think it even focuses that much on her as a maternal figure, as just like a strictly parental figure, which I think is kind of cool, actually. Like, there isn't. There isn't, like, a moment where, like, she's, like, I need to be more motherly. It's, like, how she learns how to deal with the pressures and, like, be there more for her kid in the ways that actually will count for him. But yep. I think that this works well because I think every – once again, none of us are parents. But we have children in our no, lives that, nope. we, that we care about deeply. And yes, yes. We all have little ones that we yeah. have caregiven for and yeah. continue to and love. And I, I, so I can relate to the idea that the world can feel like this, like, many-faced, unstoppable force that has really bad things that are bearing down on little people that I care about a lot and I view as being highly vulnerable. And I want to protect them, but I can't. And that's, and that's a frustrating and scary thing to deal with. Um, and in Sarah's case, it's just like everything's amped to eleven because like this this kid is the is the Messiah, and she's struggling because the future is so scary. There is like a a, a many faced force that is directly coming for her kid, and all the stakes yeah. are so high. Um, more than a movie about motherhood, I actually think this is a movie about an absentee father. There is no father, and that is stressful for her, as it would be for any parent. There is no second parent. That's stressful. Yep. And what happens is, a, to my interpretation, is a, a uber father figure enters, but is an uber father figure that Sarah cannot, cannot make peace with because it's an uber mm-hmm. father figure that has hurt her horribly in the past horribly and 
that is a story of divorce. <laughs> like, right? This is the story of I had a shitty first husband and we had a baby together and he disappeared. And now he now the kid's like 11. He's suddenly back and my kid is being friends with him. And I can't deal with that because, like, this guy, like, slapped me around. is not a good dad. Not a good guy. But now he's suddenly being a good dad. And I think that bothers her a lot. And you understand from all of mm -hmm. their perspectives, like, of course John wants to form a relationship with the Terminator. Like, right? Like, he's, like, an uber dad figure. He's very protective. Like, he's there for him in ways that Sarah can't be. Like, as just as any yep. two-parent like dynamic that you have parents that are good at some things and not good at other things. Like I, I don't necessarily yeah. think it's maternal or paternal, but you have that moment where like Sarah is watching them like high five and like, and like uh, John like Duncan on the Terminator by being like too slow. And yeah. she has like this moment. She says watching John with the machine. It was suddenly so clear. The Terminator would never stop. It would never leave him. It would always be there. It would never hurt him. And this is the part where she, like, is definitely um, self-critiquing herself. Mm -hmm. Never shout at him or get drunk or hit him or say she couldn't spend time with him because she was too busy. It would die to protect him. Of all the would-be fathers that came and went over the years, this thing, this machine, would be the one that measured up. In an insane world, this was the sanest choice. And she knows that. And then that moment of insecurity immediately segues into her, like, going into her dream state and being like, so that's the Uber father, but I'm never going to be the Uber mother. Like, I know that yeah. the Uber mother does not work for me. And then she wakes up yeah. and she makes the main bad mom move of this movie, which is instead of staying with John and being with him and, and protecting him, she ditches out. She doesn't explain to anybody. She takes off and she's like, I'm going to go murder Miles. I'm going to make it so it's less important for me to be a good mother. Like, I'm going to fix the problem that is making me feel like I am not there for my kid. And that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> that's a really cool I, I arc. I, I struggle with it a lot, though, because, like, you, you see that whole, um, I have that whole, like, soliloquy, I guess, in my notes also. You see it as, like, her critiquing herself, and I see it as, like, it would never leave him, hurt him, shout at him, get drunk and hit him as, like, I have been with men who have done this to him. Oh, I think like she's also these, saying she's... these are traumas yes. that I have inflicted has, on him. Yes. Yeah, that he has suffered through emotional and physical abuse. Yes. Um and and I think I also struggle with her as a parent because I Yes, she's his mom and that is how he sees her. But at times throughout most of the film, he's she sees him as a commodity. Or is something she has to, like, ensure is protected for the future. Not necessarily, like, someone to love or um, or take care of in that emotional way. Yeah. He's, um, he's a much bigger thing to her. I, I agree with all that. I right. think that what I meant by critique is I think that she has either done those things to him or she has brought adults into her life that have yeah. done those things or to allowed, him. Or allowed those things to be done to him. Yeah. yeah. But, um, and, and he's also like a parentified child um, which is like partly yes. his mental health but like um, yeah. he's treated like an adult. He's told about adult stressors. Like from a child he's told like he's going to lead the Save revolution the world. against the machines. Um, but then at the same time um, he, when he acts like an adult, when he gets the Terminator, directs him to go protect his mom, to rescue her, he's made to feel foolish and ashamed. Um, yeah. 
But but then she jerks his chain again, right? So they go to Dyson's house after she's tried to assassinate this family. She can't do it. She's on the floor crying. He shows up and she's like, were you here to save me? Just hold me. Yeah. And she's making her 11-year-old treat her like like a partner would like a an adult man and not a child it's it's yeah. very difficult the, to see it the the bad this is the main bad mom moments yeah for the for sure i think ultimately all, everything she does in that moment is a betrayer a trail of both family and value of human life which we i think are the yeah. two big moral keystones of this movie Sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think it's important that they're brought on because she fears being an adequate parent. Like, I think that yeah. that's the critique yeah. of her in that moment is that these pressures are not, are, are of course high stakes and of course, like, too, like beyond what any normal person will probably ever go through, I hope, in their lifetime. But it, it still has, like, an emotional grounding that people can, like, understand. Like, I totally get why Sarah cannot, de- like, does not like the fact that John is, like, buddying around with that Terminator. I totally get sure. it. As much as I understand why John desperately needs to buddy around with that Terminator. Like, if right. I were in her ca- place, I would not like it either. But I don't think... I don't think I would be like, you know what? I'm going to just... I'm just going to duck out. I'm going to unplug from being a family unit. He, that's fine. He can have the Terminator can have him. I'm just going to make it so that he doesn't I don't have to ever feel like I need to protect him again, which I think is what she's doing yeah. in that moment. She's like, yeah. if I get she's, rid of Miles, stop the cause. Yeah, if I get yeah. rid of Miles, then my son's not the chosen one and that means that it does kind of doesn't matter how he's parented going forward. And that sucks. Well, okay. Well, I, it's I, almost I like, like to, this whole thing is a watch. Yeah. Like he can be like it can all be bad and it's okay, really. Like All right. Yeah. I I I, I all right defender defender prove it kate no 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 that's not well god i guess kind of um i'm going to bring in another fictional universe and another fictional story to deal with as a comparison piece all right it's not something i would normally do but this was just i i thought about this a lot so you're all just gonna bear with me i mean before i get started J.K. Rowling's a turf. This has nothing to do with her. Now, let's talk about the sixth Harry Potter book, uh, wherein Harry finds out about his destiny after the fact, when it has all been hidden from him and all of his feelings of betrayal, compared to Sarah Connor talking to John since he was born about, like, who he is supposed to be and why. All right. I understand why Sarah kind of, it's almost like she doesn't want to form an emotional attachment to him because he is more than a child. He is something bigger than that. And she sees her job as, like, not to be just a mom, but to be someone who, like, empowers this future leader. I'm not saying that's the right move. I'm not saying that I think that with someone with better mental health issues, maybe on the right medication, seeing a therapist on a regular basis, she could probably be a more well-adjusted mother. I, I like, don't think anyone is... can hold up to this pressure. This is too much. I mean, like, she's essentially yes. reacting to it by being like, I'm not going to be a mother. I'm going to be a kingmaker, which is like not yeah. good. Yes, yes, <laughs> like, which, is, no, good. Which, which isn't great. But um, but like if if you're looking at everyone dies or everyone lives, like fine. I yeah, can totally, be a good enough mom. Totally, and that's, totally. This that's is what that is. That yeah. that is that is the the devil's bargain she is making. It is the one that she is given. She doesn't really have a better option. But also, some people would argue, 
and I had friends who I talked about this movie argue this, which is why I thought about Harry Potter, that by being honest with him, by like talking to him, by letting him know what's coming, by like trying to give him a fighting chance, that that's actually her being a better mom. Like when he first sees the Terminator and like after like when they're like on the bicycle and he's like, all right, hold up, hold up. Like, wait, stop, stop the bike, stop the bike. And he's like, let me use my deductive reasoning skills. You're obviously not here to kill me, but you're obviously a Terminator. And like he's able to reason through some things because of where his mom was able to set him up for. His mom in quotes, because like I don't think that's Sarah trying to be a mom. I think that's Sarah trying to be like you know, a kingmaker, I guess, or a savior maker or whatever, you know? Um, I don't think that there's a right way to do this that would not, like, fuck this kid up. No. I, think I mean, he's messed up. If she doesn't I... tell him anything, yeah. he gets fucked up. If she tells him something, he gets fucked up. Yeah. I think I... that this is, like, a situation which you literally can't win because it's a situation that no one should be in. I and, don't, like, I don't so dunk I on her for can't... being a bad mom. I no, think no, it's no, totally I, I, fine. I know, I'm just, we're, <laughs> like, we're in the bad mom category, and I just, these are all things I wanted to speak to, because yeah. I think that, like, it is, what's fascinating about this movie and fascinating about this character is, is that it is deeper than that. So let me now dunk on Janelle Voigt and Todd Voigt, all right? So we see them talking to a cop, right? Oh, his, uh, his, like, his, uh, his foster oh, parents. Yeah. His foster parents. And the cop's like, oh, we're looking for this kid. And they're like, oh, man, what's he gotten into now? It's like, has anyone else been asking? And like, no. And then they're like, hey, this leather daddy was here earlier asking about him. We talked to him. We answered his questions. Could that have anything to do with it? What the fuck? Some stranger comes dressed all in black leather asking yeah. about your child. And you Some answer biker their- showed up and you're what? like, yeah, he's at the mall. Yeah, like, crazy. That, crazy. Him. that totally is a legitimate bad parenting moment that I just had to call out because it is also hilarious to be like, oh, we're talking to a cop. And it's like a good subversion because like the cop happens, you know, like after like, you know, so we don't know that the Terminator's already been there, but like. You just talked to a Terminator about this and weren't worried about this kid or trying to track him down? Like, that's wild shit, okay? I do think that that is a cool thing this movie does. Like, definitely the people who are most critiqued for being bad parents, like, like textually, are the people, are the foster parents who live in the safe burbs. Uh, shout out to foster yep. parents. All most of you are excellent, <laughs> but like, yeah. one, like one hundred taking in a most child is. But there are also like terrible situations. Well, I mean, but like I think we're supposed to. I don't think we're really supposed to think of them as foster parents so much as we are supposed to think of them as typical parents. Like they live in the burbs. It's safe. They've provided a home for him. They've let him decorate his room however he wants. Like you know, like they're they represent standard parentdom, but they are failing this child yeah, it's, as well. And it's just him like it's a nuclear family you know yeah. one kid but then um by far i think the best family the family we are led to believe is the most happy and like the most well-adjusted is uh sarah friend's friend enrique's family and enrique is a mercenary and a yeah, gun yeah. runner and lives in a dangerous yep. criminal life but by all appearances his family is like well-adjusted and happy and they work together it looks very functional and like what is it and i think we're supposed mm-hmm. to contrast what Sarah does versus and and tells her friend to do and then what he one as presumes does as opposed to what she does. So she remember she has that conversation with Enrique and she's like, 
you it's not safe for you to be here anymore you and your family need to get out of here you need to take your loved ones and get the hell out of dodge and he's like 100 that is exactly what i'm gonna do and then she does not do that that's her plan that's what she's agreed to do with her family unit but then she ditches them so i think that we're supposed to be like i don't think it's like a I don't think it's like, I think it's interesting that it's not like a commentary on like criminality makes you a bad parent. It's more like, it's more like if you're going to be in a family, trust is so important. And she betrayed that trust and she betrayed the moral code of her family, which was to keep each other safe and not take human lives in the process. Like that's her crime, you know? But I think at the end... I think we are meant to think she has evolved. I think she she's back to being a single parent again. Yes. It's just her. And she doesn't fear the future anymore, which I think caused a lot of her problems before. She's hopeful. Well, and now she can now he can just be a kid. Now she can just Hopefully. be a mom. Yeah. She doesn't have to be a kingmaker. I mean, well, except yeah. now she's like like America's was wanted. But yeah, like totally. Now she can be a Nike. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm like so now they're back in Nicaragua, right. I guess. But um, that I think that respectful handshake between Sarah and the Terminator is like supposed to be I like a lovely moment of co-parenting off. goals. Yeah, like yeah. where it's like yeah. where it's like I accept I accept even though you have hurt me in the past and we have we have beef that is very legitimate. That you were good for my kid, and you held it together, and I can learn things from you, and like yeah. it's, it feels almost like a passing of the baton. Like, yeah. Okay. Yes. I I've got this now. Yeah. Yeah. You were good at being a guardian when I couldn't be. Now I can step up. So I think it's fine. We have moments where she's not she's not a good family member. She's not a good partner. Absolutely. Because she does have Absolutely. that. She does have that moment, and I mean, it, it'd be like the most bleak movie ever if she didn't. Um, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I do know what 100%. you're talking about, Megan. I couldn't quite square that weird reverse mentorship that John has with both the Terminator and his mother. I kind of yeah. I kind of just decided at the end that that's like the Jesus angle, like that he is Jesus in the future. <laughs> He's mo- Yeah, no, fair. I, no, I, I thought about that too when I was watching it. It's like, yeah. if, you know, this is a savior thing. It's like also like, the, the young savior teaching, like, he's so wise, yeah. he already know you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Father, yep. yeah. yeah, like, why did you worry about me? I was in my father's house. Like, Jesus does that, does that smart mouth shit to Joseph and Mary all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but for real, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, but, like, but, you know, but in Jesus real life, and no matter what, yes. things were going to happen. With this kid, it's like, yes. if we do things right he's supposed to just grow up and be a normal human and well, like but, now we've just damaged but him nobody so acts badly. like that's an option until sarah takes it like and no and in, in the first movie it's not treated as an option and then this one like it's not like you know it's not treated as an option but it also makes you wonder like how effective of a leader of humans is he going to be like if that was some not of this plan? baggage he's carrying 100 yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah like that that's you know and i get it it's my own mental health spin that i'm like oh no this kid yeah but I like mean, yeah you're we, we this is fun to talk about with you in part because you're a psychiatrist it's also fun because you're a fun person you know but yeah, it's you good. know we don't just that's want you for your perspective MD. For you to bring yeah no of <laughs> um yeah no of course I, that's that's the only way i could square it because it is anyway because it is messed up and they and they don't really button that hole for you at the end where it's like yeah like i mean the way it could be is if i mean i I, maybe they kind of do it but it's all physical like before a lot of the scenes where they hug 
she's like cowering on the floor like you have that scene when he finds her in um the institution you have that scene when she like desperately needs mm-hmm. like she's like i yeah. need you after she almost um smokes oh, I hated, miles i hated it i hated oh, that but then yeah. at the end when the terminator is being another cool co-parenting moment when she's lowering the terminator into the the, the smelt right the smelting mm-hmm. pit and he says to her, you have to do it. I can't do it myself. Like the Terminator says that yeah. to Sarah, that that is a moment where it's like, we're the adults here. You and I are going to do the right thing because we know we can't count on him to do the right thing. And she's like, yep. And then in that moment, John turns into her and she comforts him. I think that that's a, a pretty mm-hmm. important twist as well. Well, And, yeah. and I do I do think it's powerful that like, because you have both mentioned these moments where like she's on the ground, John comes and comforts her. Um, we have that moment where... The T-1000 has her pinned. It's mm-hmm. like, call to him. Call to him for help. Oh, yeah, and, and she, she won't. won't. Yeah. And and then he tries to be her calling to him for help, and she stops it. Like, that's when she's able to, like, intercede and intervene. I mean, it still takes, you know, Arnie to, uh, to deal with the death blow. But still, like, I think that that is also another moment that shows that, like, she has changed and grown, you know? That she is no longer going mm. to do this. I, I know she that, was prepared I mean, to emblematic. do that. I, I don't need, think she would I have ever emblematic. done that, though. Yeah. Like, she, no, 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 that, no, no. That's I'm, the problem. No, I'm, she I'm, would have uh, never done that. Yeah, I think Called out for the kid like in that moment. Sign. I know, but I think it's supposed to be emblematic. I'm talking about symbolism here, all right? I'm talking about, like... Well, it wouldn't be satisfying if she was like, you know what? I'm going to stop doing prison workouts and being a super buff mom, and I'm going to gain 30 pounds and just be your sweet mom and just, like, watch soaps and be normal. Like, that would not be satisfying. We are not going to believe that. The Sarah we meet at the beginning is the same Sarah who would be tortured to death for her son. She's prepared to do that. What she's not prepared to do is emotionally let him in and do the make the hard make some of the hard choices that means she has to be there for him that's what she's not prepared to do but we also see her do that like letting the terminator go pass on the baton yeah yeah so she does those things too so i think it's just important that we see that we maintain we maintain like super tough mom and we also gain a little bit of softer mom. But within the realm yeah. of believability for Sarah, like 100%. Sarah's, Sarah's never going to be like captain of the PTA. Like, you know, it's just not going to happen. No. Oh God, I can't even imagine those meetings. Yeah. Oh, she might man, be great, would, honestly. Go, <laughs> like, she'd be effective as hell. Yeah. It would turn into, it, honestly, it would end up turning into, uh, you know, two women driving off of a cliff together who met at PTA. Like it would, it would end badly. You know, I'm saying with Louise. Okay, so I'm hearing there's no one trying to kill your children at school. What are you bitching about? <laughs> yeah, like, she'd be what? like, <laughs> she'd be like, you assholes are complaining about chairs. Like, yeah, it'd be yeah. very, it'd be very that. You're already dead. I believe it. You know I do. You're all already dead. Don't fuck with me. Anyway. I don't think that mm. they hit this this note as hard as they could but i think that there also is some evidence and maybe it's just because like forgiveness and trust sort of go together and there's definitely like a trust angle here they they learn to trust each other the three of them over the course of this movie i think there's also like john needs to forgive sarah to let her back into his life and sarah needs to forgive john for ruining her life to some degree yep Yep. I think they could have hit that harder, and I think that that might have made some of that reverse mentorship role feel a little better. Yeah. But I, I just think that that's maybe like an emotional beat that they kind of like 
like kind of let slide a little bit, which is which would be important and good for the story yes. to tackle. Yeah. Totally. Well, I don't know when to talk about this, but like the idea of, um, you know, John talks about her still being in love with his dad. Did you guys plan to talk about that at all? Oh, I kind of like don't care about Kyle as much for this because I think it's just such a because like, I think the Terminator like drops right on in. But I do think that that is a yeah. weird thing. I think that that maybe is like. I interpret that as almost being like roman like the romanticized version of the familial unit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess I felt like it was somehow like um giving her a pass for like having a baby outside of wedlock. Like if oh. she loved him, it's okay. Like if, hmm. you know, which is also kind of interesting cuz granted, I haven't seen the Terminator movie. But your 11-year-old is telling a virtual stranger, you only have one night with this guy. That so, is like, really weird. So you, so you have you know, told him that story. Right. Is, so, well, like, wild. we know it's a brief interlude at best, but also, like, she still cries about him. Like, uh, I, it felt like it was, like, somehow trying to lend some sanctity or some, uh, yeah, like, absolving her of some sin. Like well, I think, but she loves him. That's so interesting. Okay. Yeah, I can but see in the it. extended, like you do see, like you get to see, like that morning that she is doing. You know, yeah. Like, I mean, you see that, but I still, I would argue that even that scene is kind of artificial in a way to, like, yeah. Like, I don't think the movie loses okay. anything by being cut. To be honest, you know, like, right. So. But even if that scene were in there, I do think it's like. It's a little hard for me to swallow that 15 years ago, a guy came from the future, knocked you up, died, and you're like, if only he were back. Like, that's okay. all I need. I feel like if you had seen the original Terminator, it, it I'm going to watch it. Would, it. Yeah. It I'm is, not saying that, like, I think Kyle's like, their, you know, re- like their relationship is, boat, is but... quite romantic in the story. Yeah, yes. it is. I, yes. I kind of think it more... To me, it more highlighted her extreme loneliness that like, yes, I don't, yes, I don't think yes. it's that I don't think it's that she really like loves Kyle. It's that she like wants to have someone to deal with this with her because she's lonely. Like she yeah, needs... he's the one who told yeah. her this truth. He could carry this truth with her instead of yeah. just her. Yeah. So I, I, I a, a son who even it. like believed that she was insane when everyone told her told him because why wouldn't he you know and i think it swings open it's like kind of like ushers in kind of the chapter where you're like oh the terminator's a stepdad cool okay yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. or his or like a a by proxy father figure who's like come out of nowhere and is like hey i'm ready to be a good dad now someone else who can carry that truth and even though it's not the person she would want and someone she has a lot of beef with it is like literally the only option she has yeah it is sort of weird i do think it's weird that they like make it really clear it was only one night i'm like that is a weird thing for your kid to say it's a weird thing for your child to know and you've been in a mental institution out of contact so when did you tell him when he was like eight like i don't your daddy and i I only made it once that mental institution for six months you know at least was, six months. I, I, think the, I, think the, I, I got a I've, I got a vague feeling that he's been like bouncing around the foster system for a while. Like it's not well because isn't Silverman like at the end of the last one? Like how? Yeah, old but is... but not not she's not like institutionalized she's at the end of the last. She's a free woman. That at the happens end of it. in between. Yep. Like, like uh, that. He's talking about Kyle, and she is in the room with him when he talks about how he's gonna like capitalize off of like Kyle's delusions. Yep. But it ends up being like Sarah who's capitalized, like who he builds a career on. You know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So I'm just saying, like, it could he he probably he was probably older. It's still inappropriate. Yeah, it's still a weird conversation out with your kids. Yeah, it's it's basically that way because he's the only one who would like Sarah would never talk to who the Terminator yeah. that way, like in that kind yeah. of like those sort of like softer tones. So it has to be John. Hey, hey, handsome. So um, remember, you might not know, but one of you killed this guy yeah. who I was in yeah. love with. It was only one night. Sometimes I cry about it. Yeah. I still cry That's about all. my ex. By the way, I'm resisting the urge to kill you right now. <laughs> You're like, not going to happen. I'm constantly resisting the urge happen. to murder you. I, yep. Yeah, it is. I, I didn't consider, um, I didn't consider like sort of a, a absolution of, of slutdom. I really don't get the sense that she's slut shamed that much in this or like at all in the story. But you guys picked up on it in different points. So maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, You know, whatever. Uh, I, so this... I think I think some of those things, though, are put in to like keep us from slut shaming her. It's like, uh, like, don't don't worry about it. Like, just. Yeah. Keep going. Well, and the way she Almost shot. Kind of... I think is is yeah. very. I think the way she shot for sure, I, and I don't think any of that's bad. Like I think the way they position no, her in the story, I don't, I don't either. Is is like fine. Like I I don't judge her for any of that, and I don't think I'm invited to necessarily. No, yeah. The story only works as a sci-fi movie for so many reasons, but um, I like a secularized uh, messiah myth brought to us by time travel as opposed to divine <laughs> divine order. I think that that's hell fun. yeah. Hell I think that's yeah. fun. Yeah, me too. Um, me and too. I and I, and as a person, as a as a you know cultural Catholic, I appreciate all of the little nods to um, the the to Jesus the, to the Christian. Yeah, to the Jesus myth uh, throughout. <laughs> oh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why it's only one night to kind of like hammer that virgin, yeah. that virgin mother. Yeah. yeah, I I feel like yes. It's almost, it's interesting because I think that the idea of, like, coming and trying to kill the mother before the child is born reminds me so much of, like, the child is foretold. Yes, I think that, I think that Kyle in this story is an archangel, except he came to Bone Zone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is, which is fine. Um, which is actually why I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't think that the story loses anything if you, if you miss having him the dream sequence with him but i don't think it's detracts i think it's fine like yeah no yeah. I, I yeah i think i think you could take or leave it and it's fine either way yeah uh i like that it adds a sexual element to her as a woman which i think is important mm-hmm. um which otherwise is just sort of contextual the fact that she's a beautiful person and she's shot as a beautiful person but megan if you want to move on to twist I think it's hard to to say I was surprised at this point, right? Um, but sure, it was sure. definitely a twist that the Terminator's not there to kill him. Um, I know. We know? cannot know the joy of yeah. that shock. And it's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame yeah. that we will yeah. not know what that is ever like. Like... It is is a fun thing to, to try to put yourself in that mindset, especially that, you know, like, you know... Yeah, it yeah. is. It is a fun thing to try and put yourself in that mindset, but we'll we will never experience that. You're absolutely right. Well, and that twist is especially heightened, right? Because like Arnold is like a biker outlaw, like yes trope, and then the T1000 is like a police officer who I don't know. Maybe in the 90s you believed it more. Like is there to protect you and take care of you, and so it's like an extra twist on that too. Yeah. Um, I kind now of we know like, we should defund the police, and you know. Right. ACAB. Um, But, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, like, I I did kind of get into this. It was kind of fun. Like, Reddit had a bunch of, like, 
threads that were like people talking about what it was like to first see it in theaters and like everyone being like <gasps> like when they realized like <laughs> Arnold wasn't there to kill the kid like how exciting that was I was like that would have been yeah just so fun I can't imagine so cool yeah. I yeah. love I love the classicness of him also like whipping his shotgun out of that box of roses. So yes! great. And then the, so the crushing a rose as you walk. Love it. Was yeah. very John Woo. Images. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If there had been a dove I just in love that, that, that he stopped at a florist between seeing him in the <laughs> irrigation ditch was like, you know what? I need a box of roses. Yeah, he's like, you know what really would complete this ensemble? <laughs> a box of roses. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Oh. He's like, I don't seem like a violin guy, so it's going to have to be a box of roses. Anything problematic? I have some problematic stuff. There are like four black people with screen time. Yeah, all of yeah, we... all of them have violence perpetrated <laughs> against them. Yep. That's mm-hmm. you know the it's first one being look. a guy in a parking lot trying to stop his white male jock bro friend oh, yeah. from like getting involved, and then gets attacked by the Terminator, and the Terminator tries to shoot him. Yeah, like, yeah he's the bad. he's the only one who actually gets injured and walks away with an injury in that interaction. Uh huh. And then you know, Danny, it's not Danny. Uh, Miles die. You know, like it's some dark. You know, it's 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 not it's not great, guys. Um, Poor you know. Carl, the security guard. He's just there at night to do his Sudoku, and he's like, "Look, dude, you know you can't bring like eight people in here in the middle of the night." Yup. Yup. Tied up. Yeah bad uh-huh what is it with so that, that robot that's, that's movies touch it on yeah what yeah. is it with robot movies being like you a black guy you a good dad you dead like that yeah. <laughs> i just don't yeah. i don't dig yeah. it yeah don't dig yeah. it um yeah. i also feel like my beef with that soliloquy that she delivers in oh, the dyson's yeah. kitchen oh yeah let's oh, talk yeah. about it is, let's do that <laughs> is it there's like a there's like a, a whiff of white feminism in it for me. So she's sitting yeah, there yeah. talking, right. presumably, I mean, she's sitting there, she's she's directing it at Miles, but she's also talking to Teresa, who, by the way, and this, you know, and her, it's been cut down quite a bit. I actually think that the way it was originally written in the script um, might make it worse, but it's more powerful. She says, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You were, uh, how were you supposed to know? Fucking men. All you know how to do is thrust into the world around you. You are fucking ideas and your weapons. You don't ever, you don't know that every gun in the world is named after a man. Colt, Browning, Smith, Thompson, all men. Men built the hydrogen bomb, not women. Men like you thought it up. You're so creative. You don't even know what it's like to create life inside you, to create, to grow life inside you, to feel it. All you know is to create death, you fucking bastards. And then John's like, I don't see this as a gender-related issue. Mom, we need to be more constructive here. Yeah, Mom, try to be more constructive. But he calls it out. He says, I don't see this as a gender-related issue. So he tells her, he tells her directly. She makes it. So I feel like this contextually is like men versus women. The way it's cut Mm -hmm. and edited she is yeah. delivering it to both of them, and I'm like, number one, Teresa Dyson has birthed two children, and you have only birthed one. So I definitely never read that as her talking to anyone but Mike Dyson in that scene. But you see like, them just, both. Just to be fair, well, but we they see them both, both of them are like, cut into the shot. Yeah, like both of their faces are turned towards and, her. And she came here to kill him, and presumably his whole right. family. So she's saying, yes. my one white child counts for more than you and your black kids. Not cool. 
No. Okay. I, all right. Yeah. That's I all find fair. her totally deeply, fair. deeply unlikable in that scene. In that scene. Um, yeah. In that scene, she was deeply unlikable. It was, first of all, it was like, so there's just some batshit woman chain smoking on our counter while we're trying to talk about plans. Um, but also, yeah, from Teresa's perspective, like, this bitch showed up here. She tried to kill my family and she's going to tell me that we're, we don't, like, she's here to create life and, like, my husband's causing destruction. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, no way. Um, no, man. It's a real tough look. Well, and also, well, I, it's... yeah, I, I had more of a problem when she starts talking about, like, uh, you know, like, I, I can carry a bit because, like, not, not all women yeah. do that, you know, like, that, that was where I got caught up on, but I do... I think that the whole series could be like a tagline is like those bastards never learn um, because like the technology keeps coming back and trying to kill people. And so in that way, I felt like it worked thematically with the series in general, but only that tiny piece of it. So I definitely am picking up what you all are putting down. It's delivered to the wrong person, truly. Like, I understand why they have her deliver it to Miles because he's the scientist. But, like, what she's saying, I don't fundamentally disagree with. I fundamentally disagree with the way she's delivering it and who she's and delivering who she's it. And she's telling it, too. And yeah, like, I agree. Like, that's I fine. That 100%. That's fine. But, like, it's also it's also tough coming out of her mouth. Because, like... Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're mad that guns are named after people? I've seen you smoke so many people at this point, And, like, you have a bunker yeah. of guns. And I understand why you do. But, like... You do not have yeah. the moral high ground here, like no, at all. She definitely does at all. And this idea, like I created life, you didn't create life because you wanted a baby. It was like this is the Messiah of the world. Like you're not winning Mom of the Year yeah. any anytime soon. But I don't know. Yeah, the moral high ground is really tough to swallow from her at this point. Yeah. I don't know who else. There's nobody else in this story who could deliver that message. Potentially, this message could be delivered by somebody in Dark Fate, I think. Um, I mean, it it slightly is in a very small way. It is literally just like those bastards never learn, I think, might be the line. You know? Right. But I think that's all that it is. But I think, yeah, I I, I know what you're saying. I think you could have been. I think you could hit this like men break down the world and women build up the world. You could you could hit that note hard if you wanted to in that movie. I don't yeah. think as evidenced by how they edited it and how it's put in here, I don't think that the creative parties who made that decision felt totally comfortable putting the finger directly mm-hmm. on the point, but they still kept it in here, which makes me mad. <laughs> I'm like either say what yeah. you mean, which is clearly this. This is what you mean, right? Or don't say it at all because it's inappropriate. Right. It's inappropriate anyway, like in the context of this scene, and you're you're you've now pulled that punch. So it's basically just gobbledygook. Like it's nothing. It's a nothing statement. Well, yeah. and I, I think it also again puts her in a situation where it's like her child is like parenting her. Like yeah okay, calm down. Like, I got this. Like, don't... And I think that's also hard. To yeah, because you agree with John in that moment. You're like, these people don't deserve this. Like, what are you talking no, 100%. about? 100%. What are you 100%. talking about? This isn't helping anyone stop the future. Like... Yep. Yep. Does this movie work? Is it feminist or interesting from a feminist perspective? And do we recommend it? Megan, you're our guest. What do you think? Take the first stab. Um... I don't know if you can tell from what I've said, but I did really like it. Like, of I really enjoyed this movie. 
And I've recommended it to like other people today. It's a rich text to dig into. I don't think any yeah. conversation we're having is about it not being a good movie. Like at right. all. I think that it's um, a rich text that lets you have a really cool dialogue. Right? Yeah. It's a rich text. It's complicated characters. Like I don't think anyone is as clear and straightforward as they seem at first. Um, yeah. Everyone is immensely complicated and you could see them through so many different lenses which i think is remarkable after what like almost 30 years um it's incredible um i also think um watching it now and and i touched on this before but it feels like the annihilation of humans and what does the future hold feels like weirdly relevant um to me mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting some of the reviews I read were interesting um like 1991 the village voice and there was like a review by Roger Ebert that were kind of like the ideas that the future of humanity was at stake was kind of laughable then because like the iron curtain had fallen the cold war's over everything was super um, so happy compared- yeah right so compared to 84 um one review I said I read said that when she's talking about the fate of the world, it got chuckles in the theater. Like, oh. that's not the world I live in now, no. you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, so fair. I, but I, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. And it made me kind of want to watch the first one, actually. Yeah. So. Well, you can watch it on Hulu. Uh, if I you know. have Hulu from Showtime, it's great. It's all there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to watch it tonight because I work nights now. So You're a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. a vampire. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is not like this. I'm not telling anybody anything new when I'm like, this is one of the finest sci-fi action movies ever made. Like everybody knows yeah. that it's it's an excellent yeah. movie. It deserve that alone to makes this deserve a recommendation. Everybody should see this movie or should revisit it if you haven't watched it in a while. Yeah. Um, I think that it is feminist because Sarah is a complex woman. And I I kind of like I mean, like, I, of course, love like the fan service fan service progressive sci-fi action movies like Fury Road, like that that hit those yeah, notes totally. hard. Like, I love that. That's I have no problem with it. But I, I do have to admire that she's pretty much just placed in this otherwise pretty typical narrative. And mm-hmm. it's not really made a huge deal. She's like kind of more cut from like Ripley's cloth where it's like 100%. Which, like, which is, they are like, yeah. they're two of the same fabric for sure. Right, which is like, it's this story is happening and she is a parent. That's the important thing. It matters less that she's a woman. Like she could be, yep. this story could be about a dad as well. Yep. Um, yep. But I, I, I like that. It's not, I think it's good. Um, yep. So yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's definitely worth a watch. Even if Sarah is not always likable, she's always compelling and that's worth something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I'll just add that I hated this movie and never watch it again. Um, Kate's like, garbage, throw it on garbage. the dump pile of yeah. pop culture. Yeah. Watching it for the thousandth time as an adult, I'm over it. <laughs> this movie meant so much to me as a child, and now I'm like, nah. It's it's very good. Um, I recommend it. But I also recommend that you all come back. And uh, in the meantime, watch Dark Fate. Because I think that... I can't wait to have a discussion about like the ways in which these themes change with our contemporary culture, but 100% watch this movie. It's definitely interesting from a feminist perspective, and hell yeah, 
give me some complicated, gritty female protagonists that are not perfect, but are well-built, complex characters whose motivations I understand any day. All right, team. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, had a great time talking with Megan and Mary about Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Join us next time where we talk about Terminator Dark Fate. And if you... Da, da, da. As always, yeah. we want to thank you for listening to us. If you cannot wait for Dark Fate to drop and you are curious about the other episodes we've done in the past, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those podcatcher platforms of your choosing. And uh, use the subscribe rate um, and review features liberally. Those things all help us out tremendously. Uh, we also have a website, outrageousmechanisms.com slash space dash bras. We are on all of the social media platforms that matter, a.k.a. Instagram and Twitter. You can check <laughs> us out. Um, I'm not really sure what we're doing with social media because I'm like, I feel like I'm taking up space that could be used for other things. But maybe we'll post some gifts. I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, I, I, I do have a pretty good Arnold Schwarzenegger running to the elevator in the mental hospital that I really do want to post that gif of because, guys, the way he runs is amazing. So, it's just like, it's runs. a couple seconds, but Oof. it is like, it is so good. Anyway, I'll, you know, I'll, mm-hmm, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Robert Patrick spent time running. refrigerator box i'm sure he can't run (laughs) so big it's so good yeah i mean just like at the beginning the side shots of his thighs you're like yeah that guy can't like actually do a thing i (laughs) yeah yeah i'm like i don't know if he can ride a bicycle i don't know if he can wear mostly polyester pants but i did i did say to myself thick thick thighs save lives because like damn (laughs) damn our first singer is thick in this movie and i like it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah Yeah, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. I'm here for him. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do think your point about self promotion feels weird right now, and so like we have been like cutting back on posts, and I'm not posting on my personal thing, but I will post that because I think that some content deserves to be shared with the masses. And now, join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast to space bras and these troubled, troubling, constantly shifting. Let's lower the bar, dig into the basement times. We must remember. That even though everyone might suck, we can choose to be awesome, we are awesome, and the galaxy can and will be motherfucking ours. Mechanisms Production.